Well, all right, and uh, yeah, you know, it's weird every time that we do this uh, whole starting thing. I'm never sure like how to start it, um, you know. <laughs> but but yeah, so we're live uh, with the D and D podcast, talking as a free action. I am joined here today with my uh, esteemed co-host, Marvin. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Um, I mean, I'm doing pretty good. Um, but let's ask our guest, our special guest. Today, we're joined by fellow Twitch streamer and co-host of the podcast Savage World of Artists, Andre, a.k.a. the Fat Guero. Hey! Dude, you actually said the name right. You know how many times on that podcast that we've actually recorded and shipped out? I say Savage World of the Artist, and it wasn't <laughs> until like two or three podcasts ago that my co-host was just like, you know it's Savage World of Artists, right? And I'm like, oh... <laughs> Pro well, tip for I'm podcasting, sure. I guess, is to pick a name that you can remember. <laughs> <laughs> and I infected him with it because last podcast he's like Savage World of the Artist, fuck. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also that just sounds like good value. Oh, might be time to change the name of the podcast then. Hashtag rebranding. All all right um so we have a a pretty uh pretty fun episode here lined up um i'm sure uh, andre has some questions for us and uh we probably have some questions for him too um and we're just gonna kind of hang out uh to have a good time and uh, probably crack some jokes here and there um so yeah uh let's go ahead and jump right in hit me with a question so andre What what is your schedule for this so um, our, our schedule for the show uh, is what every Thursday, nine o'clock Eastern. Nice. So you know, there's that. You can watch the show live um, or catch them on YouTube. It's where I upload them. I'm working on getting them onto podcast players, but you know, till that time. Or if you're listening to this in the future, maybe it's already on a podcast player. Hmm? Hell yeah, dude! <laughs> anchor, I'm telling you, bro, anchor. I'll I'll get with you after the after the broadcast. We can talk about it. <laughs> um. So Andre, when did you start playing Dungeons and Dragons? Marvin, when did I start playing Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> that was so long ago. I I don't know. Maybe maybe like eleven, twelve years ago. Oh, more than that now. Wait, I was fifteen. Right. Thirteen then. Yeah. 13. Twelve, thirteen. Because you're almost twenty-eight, right? Yes, don't, don't, don't say that. Listen, some of us have already hit and passed 28. Get over it. So you know how it feels. Be sensitive to me. No. I can't. I'm physically incapable of... Uh, I'm over 30. Basically, it's all meaningless. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was, uh, I was Andre's first DM. Okay, uh, okay. And now I think he's a better DM than I am most of the time. What? No way. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that might just be me being overly critical of, of my ability to run games, but I think you're a very good DM 99% of the time. Sweet. Thanks, dude. Appreciate that. Yeah, like, so once in a blue moon, let me paint you a picture. 13 years ago is what? 27? 2007? 2008? Yeah. Yeah. 2008. So, and uh, Obama's about to be elected president. There was this, there was this man 
who was my friend. His name was Marvin. And we hung by this tree with a bunch of hooligans and degenerates. And through all the screechings, Marvin came to me and he said, do you want to play D&D? And I was like, is that that nerd shit that's on like cartoons and stuff? And he went, yeah. And then before I knew it, I was on a bus to a library playing D&D. It was pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that certainly sounds like an experience. Um, do you remember your first character? No. All I know, <laughs> the only thing I remember from that day was there was this guy named Matt, and he wouldn't shut up about how broken it was that if you have a hand crossbow in 3.5 or some shit, instead of reloading it, you can, as a bonus action, or if you have a specific feat, I don't even remember the feat, you can shoot the crossbow and then drop it as a free action and then just re-equip another crossbow to shoot again. <laughs> and then he kept telling me the same fucking story over and over. I was staring at him like, I have no idea what any of this means, bro. <laughs> I have a sheet and I put a name on it. Yo, <laughs> that's wild. Matt, are you in chat right now? Wow. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. Um, so if you want to treat your hand crossbows like derringers, you can do that in most editions. Um, that being said, it can be very expensive. Um, also, uh, probably not a good idea to keep a bunch of crossbows loaded and on your person. Uh, not very safe uh, for a number of reasons. So, oh God, uh, just porcupine them. Be fucking sick. They don't have safeties. Yeah. You're just like, all right, bro. I it's got like a wolf. bunch of healing spells. We got some death saving throws. I'm gonna throw you at the crowd and see what happens, okay? It's like walking around with a bunch of rubber bands stretched to their maximum. Exactly. And just oh, like, rubbing their hands and be like, "Don't one bump into me. Don't bump into me. Don't touch me." No, no, no. Except there's a razor blade attached to each of them, <laughs> or a very sharp pencil. You. Some of them might shoot out and hit someone else. You know. <laughs> I'd be. I, I would wonder how it is that the that the hand crossbow is loaded to your person, <laughs> such that it's pointing out, away from you and towards other people. Dude, I'm picturing like a dude with like he looks lumpy, just from the sheer fact that he has a trench coat over like thirty crossbows. <laughs> and I imagine he has a hula hoop attached to him, so that way nobody gets within six. You know, four feet of him or whatever. Do you want to die? Because I don't want to die. You want it? We'll both die. Stay out of my personal face bubble. (laughs) Oh, Lord of mercy. Um, Okay, so you don't remember your first character then. Uh, Marvin, do you happen to remember it? Uh, I want to say it was a magic class. I think it was a paladin. Yeah, that sounds right. I vaguely remember an axe. Axis scream paladin. No, they don't. <laughs> but that's the kind of shit you would do. This is true. <laughs> I'll summon my paladin named Pal and equip him with the axe of despair. Uh, <laughs> I think like uh, one of the first sessions we ran too, because he taught me how to play. Right, he gave us like the rundown. We built our characters. I think as the paladin. I didn't understand that like you had to be super holier than thou, and I stole like immediately off the bat, and I just <laughs> wasn't a paladin anymore. I mean, you know, to each their own. I, I do like that change in Five E, um, <laughs> where like paladins are not necessarily holy so much as just like dedicated to an ideal. I think that was a good change and a good way to distinguish them from clerics. Oh, absolutely, yeah. bro. 
Oh my god, yes. And then with Tasha's Cauldron, they can also cast cantrips now, bro. If you take the focus, they're so good now. Sick. They're so good. Like, they really there are. was such a horrible thing in 3.5 where you're just like, I want to play a paladin, and then the rogue's like, Hey, I'm gonna steal that, and you're like, I didn't hear you. And he's like, Oh, I'm gonna steal that. You're like, No, 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 I, I didn't hear you. Okay, like, I have no idea what's going on. And then their god would come down and be like. Did you hear what that rogue was doing? You're like, no, sweating. And he's like, well, now you lied to me, and now you're not a paladin, and you have stuff to stop that rogue. And you're like, oh. Okay. <laughs> Fuck this. I'm going to be a fallen paladin. They get class yeah. level still. <laughs> I'll be an oathbreaker. It's no big yeah, deal. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never understood that for paladin lore. Like, why is it that, like, you know, going against your ideal suddenly makes you, like, a like a dark knight? Like, that sounds badass. Yeah, like just Why break don't it you immediately. Always break all of your ideals and just immediately go into being edgy. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like not a bad, not a bad one, right? It's like, hmm, I could worship this nature god or murder, <laughs> or do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> gonna go raise some undead. What you gonna do about that, huh? Um. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was always kind of weird for me. Um, but you know, I mean, I, I appreciate that it's a thing that exists. It's an archetype, I guess. Uh, so <laughs> there's that. Um, so uh, Andre, do you remember your first time DMing? How was that? Oh, I remember my first time DMing. That shit was... So I've always been an impromptu DM. I've never planned. Mm-hmm. And I saw Marvin. Well, Marvin. I think Marvin DM'd me, like, I think three or four or five sessions at this point. So I was kind of like okay with it, and I think at that point too, I joined this D and D group with a couple of friends I used to go back in there. The twins, remember the twins, the Andrew twins, Scott and Nick. Oh man, I haven't seen those guys since I graduated. Right? I need to, I need to, I need to touch back up with them. But we used to play D and D all the, a bunch of the time. So eventually, I got the hang of it. I got a hang of the rules. So it was me, my friend Justin Rink, my friend Josh Wise, and Colin of all people. <laughs> and it was I think like five in the morning and we were just hysterical with like sleepiness and of course as teenagers you're not gonna go to sleep you're gonna be rowdy so we're all loosey-goosey and just being delusional being stupid and uh i go hey who wants to play D and they look at me and they're like bro i've always wanted to play D, but i've never know how to play i'm like don't worry about it i got this we all rolled characters so it was about seven in the morning now and we are just beyond gone like it went to that point where you're like some person, one person would say something, another person would go what, and then we would all just burst out laughing. <laughs> and we're playing D and D, and they don't, you know, this is like the number one scrub rule that always happens. Every time someone who's used to video games plays D and D for the first time, they try playing it like Oblivion or an Elder Scrolls game. Like as soon as you spawn them in, they're just like, "I'm gonna go steal from the shop. I'm gonna touch that woman's ass," and like not expect consequences or when the guards come and there's 50 of them they're just like whatever i'm the main character until they realize that they're not (laughs) (laughs) so what ends up happening immediately i spawn them in i explain the town square and immediately they start raising hell they start trying to attack people start stealing and the guards come and they get into this giant fight and they end up winning because they just got lucky and critted a bunch of times and i was like well whatever you beat the battalion of guards, which did not help the rest of the campaign, by the way, because they still treated it like a video game. Um, <laughs> but we were so delusional with like sleeplessness 
that we got into an argument, like a real legit argument of how long it takes a dead body to shit. <laughs> I mean, I will say that's not the strangest thing I've had to Google in relation to a, to a D&D game. You do have to remember, though, this is before everyone had a smartphone. This is true. This is true. You don't oh, get those man, kind of arguments was, anymore. That was only 2007, guys. Jesus. <laughs> I think I had a razor. <laughs> boomers know. So we got in an argument, and as you know, people back in the day, we, we couldn't really oak it up. So we just settled on 10 minutes. I don't know what happened. It was literally like an hour or two of just arguing, of doing statistics that don't make sense. <laughs> and so we played till like 10 in the morning. So for the next three hours, every 10 minutes, whenever they killed someone, they would, you know, promptly evacuate their bowels and it ended up being guerrilla warfare against the rest of the guards in the town what yeah that was my first dm sesh bro it was pretty sick in a lot of ways it sounds like it was pretty sick <laughs> that's wild that's the kind way to put it i mean honestly i don't even know what i would do <laughs> although i will say that like you know you allowing them to actually get away with killing a huge battalion of guards probably didn't do much to dissuade them from their actions <laughs> oh hell no no not like, at all things are like like you know you're fighting the guards and you're like all right whatever these guards are pretty souped up and then they crit and down two of them like immediately off the bat just it was like a barbarian i think uh colin was a barbarian and we also had like a battle cleric like he like put everything in strength and then the second he made his dump stat like constitution but his, his primary stat was strength so he was also like really you know attack heavy so they fell two guards immediately off the bat and they just kind of rode that high but i just kind of wanted to see what would happen after that point <laughs> like, i mean I, that's fair honestly i think that's a really good approach to dming like i've seen a lot of DD campaigns turn to not fun endeavors when the dm is like no things have to happen this way um so i think it's it's good to like just kind of let the players like, if they want to do a dumb thing, sometimes it's okay just to let them do the dumb thing and then just kind of play the other characters around it <laughs> and see what, what everyone else does to respond. Exactly. Like, oh, this is like one thing that, like, especially for new DMs, so, like, they don't really understand. Your, like, your job is to make sure that everyone at the table is happy. Of course yourself, too, but, like, without you, like, making sure that everyone is happy, like, the game's not fun. So it's 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 really good to just be like sometimes just yeah just roll the dice roll the bones see what happens let's go exactly <laughs> you want to do a backflip and land on top of the princess go ahead bro we'll roll two dice we'll see if you get it if not at least it feels fair yeah I think for me that's something that I've that I had to like let myself learn how to do um and I eventually got better at it um but I think that's a really good approach and I'm really happy to hear that like. Right off the bat, you kind of had the lesson down before having to to um, to have a lot of unfun D and D games uh, as a consequence mm -hmm. of that. I appreciate that, man. Um. <coughs> so I guess uh, was... oh, go ahead, man. Real quick, mm -hmm. um, King Flink and Bastion have redeemed hydrate and posture checks. So uh, everybody, take a sip of whatever beverage you have oh, and uh, sit up straight a little bit. How, how do we prove that we're doing it? Oh, I got, you I got don't it. have to. I still Nobody's... don't have a drink. Man, we went over this last week. <laughs> okay, give me a minute. I'll go get one. <laughs> did you hear my gargle? I did. 
Now they know, dude, but you'll never know if I'm postured, even though I am. Wink. What? What is that wink? No, don't worry about it, dude. Bam, see, here's the click clock. That's for me and my ever decaying backs to worry about. Oh, okay. <laughs> Man, that really needed some whiskey. Okay, I'm good. I think everybody's had cola like that. Like this cola is just kind of mediocre, and it could really be improved by some amount of alcohol. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um. So, a question for both of you, because um, I know that uh, you know uh, Andre, you were saying that you know initially your kind of initial experience was being um, kind of hyped up about a thing that you didn't understand. Um, when you get new players, you know, into your table. How do you guys go about kind of acclimating them to the table? And to what extent do you try and, like, monitor the conversation such that someone doesn't get scared off, uh, you know, in that kind of way? Um, Badass as possible. That's a good one. It literally usually works. Um, When, I think two years ago, my friend Sleepy Steve, a really close friend, real real guy, I got him into D&D. And he needed someone to co-DM to teach a school in Hialeah. I don't know what college is there, but it was near Hialeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I got a ride. We went to go hang out. And it was literally my job to be, like, the dude with the sign. You know, the dude with, like, the T-Mobile sign with the, the points towards the store. <laughs> so I had to do that to bring, to, like, herd people to my table. We were just in the middle of this cafeteria. And I was just like, come on down, who wants to play D&D? You, sir, you, ma'am, you, child. (laughs) Have you ever wanted to do something but fantastical in a fantasy setting? Would you want to be the Lego Lass or the Gimli? Well, now you can! And then I would just explain to them, like, you could literally do anything within reason. Anything you want to do. You ever wanted to be the main hero of your story? Have you ever played a video game and you're like, this invisible wall is bullshit? Well, guess what? There's no invisible walls. You ever, like, go and be like, I could totally crawl into this cabinet and hide from the monster. Well, guess what? You can. And <laughs> I think I got, like, ten people. And, of course, like, feeling them out, you just kind of talk to them. And if they don't look you in the eye, you're like, cool, that's the shy one. And if they look you directly in the eye, you're like, cool, that's the troublemaker. <laughs> this one's asserting dominance. <laughs> get the guy t-posing you're like crap he's gonna dm (laughs) (laughs) the one that's shitting on the floor probably should like you know maybe scoot off to the other table (laughs) so you kind of want to call the cops at the same time you're like how wild is his character gonna be (laughs) (laughs) i just generally explained to him like here are their skills these are like what you can check to do obviously the higher number the better um but other than that you could basically do anything and so far, that has worked. Um, it's just like in your face at first, just to kind of grab their attention. Gotta gotta love smartphones and like short attention spans. And then after that, you kind of corral them down in energy and be like, "You can do anything." But actually, you know, there's like there's rules that I'll get you through. <laughs> the book of it, but don't worry about the book. I got you on the book. I'm the book master. Don't worry. I like that. Okay. How about you, man? Um, for me, it's always one of the unexpected things that uh, that hooks a new player. 
at least in my experience, and uh, keeps them coming back. Uh, that and the freedom, like like Andre said, freedom is a huge thing for for new players. They they're like, wait, I can do anything. Um, I have a story that I can't tell, uh, but I'll tell a different story. Because, um, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Um, the other story is not safe for Twitch. Let's put it that way. That's fair. We'll have to hear it afterwards. Is it Book of Erotic Fantasies? Uh, it is. It has some basis in that. I don't like those. All right. Uh, anyway, the other story is uh, my my friend David. You both know David. Fucking David. Um, mm-hmm. David Schumann. Uh, he was running a game for his fiance and some of their friends who were new. Like, brand new, never played before. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was my job to basically be the experienced player at the table and kind of, you know, focus everybody. Um, Gee, where have I heard that role before? Oh, I don't know, Owen. Where have you heard it before? <laughs> uh, it's almost like I'm I'm a, a specific type of player or something. Anyways, um... So these players were like, well, what do we do? And I was like, what do you want to do? They were like, what? I was like, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? This isn't like, this isn't a difficult question. If you are your character, what is the thing you want to do? And they're like, it's that easy to figure out what we're going to do? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, that's um, it. You're doing it. <laughs> and I want to walk over there. <laughs> it's like, sure, it's done. <laughs> and that campaign lasted another few months. Uh, I don't even actually remember why the campaign ended, but it didn't like end. It kind of just fell apart. I feel like that's the case with a lot of uh, a lot of D and D groups. They they almost feel like radioactive materials where they just decay over time. Yeah, <laughs> somewhat proportional to the energy uh, that goes into it. Um, <laughs> but um, so there was one thing I, I, I kind of was curious about because you know when you have new players, they always bring a lot of fresh ideas. They're always you know usually you know some people are really excited, some people are really timid. They don't really understand the rules. They're afraid to mess up. Um, I always get concerned when I bring new players to a table that have a few veterans because I always get concerned those veterans are going to try and like domineer that player or like tr- like try and show them that, like no this is the correct way to play and i always really hate that mindset so like is that something that you guys have ever experienced or anything that you've had to like kind of keep in mind oh yeah all the time um yes but usually i'm the dm and i tell people to cut that shit out right like you have Just, to i'm the dm if i tell you how how the correct way to play is you kind of just got to listen to me if you want to be at the table and if i tell you there is no correct way and that's the correct way you deal with it or you leave and especially like i think that's the thing with like veteran players too that they don't understand that like there's so many styles of dming and there's so many like the rules are so open-ended you could do things in, in completely different ways that still make sense rule-based like, you could do group checks, so, like, only one person can roll. So if you find, like, a door, only one person's allowed to interact with that door. 
or you could do everyone. It's a fucking Hail Mary battle ball. And everyone fucking rolls for that door to see if, you know, everyone gets their fair shot. And like the thing, I think that's, I hate that with veteran players. They're like, well, my old DM did it this way. I'm like, well, we're doing it this way now, bro. And especially <laughs> like, I feel like the thing that you got to do is you just got to let the veteran, like if they're veteran veterans, they'll know. They'll be like, they'll be like, hey, Bobbert Schaubert is like brand spanking new. Don't scare the pup. And they go, don't scare the pup. Got it. And then they'll, instead of doing the mid-maxed fucking paladin warlock build, they'll do like a strength wizard. <laughs> just to kind of settle things down to cast fist and kind of have fun. But yeah, like you just I it's it's an interaction game, bro. You just gotta talk to people from what I've just noticed. Just talk to them. If you talk to them, if you relate to them human to human, like if usually it's fine. Like what do you do, Owen? I, I mean a lot of it is just kind of having that conversation ahead of time. And if I do see it at the table, I just stop it as soon as I see it. You know, yeah, um yeah. like I know at my current table, um you know, I had a player and their girlfriend at the table, and their girlfriend was, you know, less experienced at the game, although they had some background. And, you know, I can think of a, a half a dozen times where, you know, they're like, well, you know, they're thinking about what to do on their turn. And, you know, boyfriend chimes in, it's like, you should do this. And it's like, no, she should do what she wants to do. It's her turn. You know, she's the one who's playing the Hexblade Warlock, not you. So let her do the thing. And I think part of it is, like, making sure those players understand that, like, it's, the game is not necessarily, like, one where you win, and there are, like, you need to just kind of, like, forget about things like, you know, action economy or, like, damage per turn, like, just get that stuff out of your head, right? We're playing a game, we're playing a, a narrative game, this is not, like, a war game, right? We're not playing, you know, I mean, sure, the players want to win the combat, but, you know the way to do that is not always going to be maximize the amount of damage I do over the you know over the course of my of the rounds that we have. You know you can game the system that way, but that's in my experience not the best way to play the game. And there's usually more um, interesting things that you can do with your turn that turn it from you know a tabletop war game into something a lot more than that. Exactly. Like, do you want to fireball every turn, which is optimal, or do you want to be in the tavern? crack open the giant fucking barrel of ale, spill it all over the floor, and light it on fire. Like, you'll yeah. win the combat either way, but one's way more fun. And creates an interesting story, right? I don't think anybody's ever, uh, you know, ever gone back and said, oh man, you remember that combat where I sneak attacked every single round and I dealt like 45 damage a turn? Nobody thinks about combat that way. They think of the highlights. <laughs> exactly. Sneak attack every round. By the way, that's my next character, Owen. I'm going to do that. I mean, that's fine. You're more than welcome to do so. But but the thing is, like, I also trust you as a, as a player that I've played with for quite some time to do other interesting things. So that way, even if that's what you want to do during a fight, that's not always going to be, you know, the optimal way to handle the combat encounter or to, you know, do whatever it is you want to do that day. I would like to also include that I am never going to participate in combat. <laughs> as far as the party will know my character cannot fight make him like a religious zealot so I'm like I point the bow like yeah roll to see if you hit you hit cool I choose not to shoot and then like, <laughs> your character looks up to the sky and be like you know <laughs> 
I actually have a really fun character concept I want to play one of these days. Um, that's like a um, I want to play a divination wizard, but the reason that the that the wizard focuses on divination. Hey, Bob, how's it going, man? Um, the reason that they focus on divination is because they used to be like a like a military researcher for like weapons grade evocation spells, and they helped create some shit that they just deeply regretted, and so took a vow of non combat. <laughs> that's fantastic. I that's love amazing. it. I can't fight, bro. It's all my fault, bro. <laughs> but like, Maybe it's just get to play that character for uh, Nick's game. Oh, I would love to. I would genuinely love to. Um, because I think that it's just it's it, it takes what is normally a um, like an avenue of pursuing the wizard class and doing an interesting spin on it. Because like, you know, I think everybody's played like, oh, I am the divination wizard. I, I, you know, foresee the future or whatever. It's like no, like this is a character who has some legitimate trauma because they ha- they helped make the A-bomb or whatever. <laughs> um, uh, like so, the, the spell equivalent of an A-bomb? That's sick. Yeah, like I'm, you know, I'm like the opposite of Floyd from Code Geass, right? Where like I made the Flaya and I actually cared about it. <laughs> and that's interesting. Like that's what makes it fun. It's like it gets your brain turning. You can go with so many angles with that and be like, well, what is his job? Like is he... Does he want to see so far into the future that he could travel back in time to stop himself? And if so, what are the repercussions? Like, there's so much meat to that. Like, as a DM, I would take out some spells, like some really (laughs) good spells. I'd be like, these spells are gone. They do not exist. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, um, (laughs) they made the magic H-bomb visions from Escaflone. So, you know, but that's the thing is I think that like when you're, like you could t- take that and run with it in a lot of different directions, and that that character isn't any like less interesting than the one that's you know the traditional like hack and slash fighter character. But I think that you know when you're like I think that when you're like a veteran player sitting down to the table, it's kind of your job to kind of show the other people at the table like what they can do. And I think starting with you know an interesting character concept can go a really long way towards helping those new players kind of understand, oh, I can I can do so much more than just what it says in the book, right? Because nowhere does it say that, you know, my, my divination wizard has to have this unpacked trauma that I have to deal with. But like <laughs> but like, hey, I could make that character and work with the DM to make it fit into the world somewhere. You know, and then from there just kind of run with it. And showing new players that that's an option during like session zero, I think is really, really helpful. Yeah, I call it a awakening the player's mind's eye, where like, or the eye of imagination, where they're just like, this game, but this not only numbers, and I'm like, you're right, not only numbers, you could do whatever you would like, sir. And then probably immediately afterwards, they set a town on fire by like casting like, firebolt. Why, do, everywhere and shit why and does firebolt light things on fire? Can someone explain this to me? <laughs> no, can't do it. Don't know why. It's a bolt. <sighs> it means lightning. Lightning doesn't cast things on fire. <laughs> Honestly, you probably should. Um, <laughs> probably should. Hey, it's your world, dude. To be like, for whatever reason, your shit lights it on fire. Good I think on I've you. only, I think I've only done, like, the bard in my party uses fire spells frequently, so um, he's definitely lit some things on fire that he really ought to have not. Um, and I think there was only like maybe one combat encounter where I was like, "No, it doesn't work this time." It 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 rained last night. The ground is too wet. You don't light the forest on fire. This is no longer a tool. 
He deserves it. I love that shit. The ground is too wet. It rained. <laughs> it's currently raining, actually. So get fucked, kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically that, right? Um, it's like getting ambushed by some gnolls that are hiding in the bushes or whatever. I'm going to light the bushes on fire. It's like, oh, no, you don't. <laughs> uh, but what I, if I try really hard? I should have known this was going to happen when you lit their car on fire in the first session. Too bad oh, the bad guys have asbestos suits, and they'll kill you <laughs> way before the cancer kills them. Oh, my goodness. It reminds me of that time I was playing a Saga's game or whatever, and I hit it, I hit with a radiation bomb and got a critical hit. <laughs> Jesus. Flink was no, like, you know... Radiated. <laughs> Flink was like, hey, you know, I mean, this bomb didn't kill them, but they're gonna have cancer in, like, you know, some period of time, and they're gonna think back to this moment and know... Why is he suddenly like a like a pack a day smoker? Like he just has cancer. Doesn't mean There's that he's sudden... Why wouldn't he be like a pack a day smoker? In my head canon right now, like I'm just thinking that like, like he didn't even get cancer from the bomb. It's just like the fact that he was a pack a day smoker gave him cancer. <laughs> but he doesn't know that and he still blames your bomb. <laughs> That old Gungan gave me cancer. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that this was the one non-Gungan character that I played, but you both assumed that it was a Gungan. I feel like I have a reputation. I have to assume. I mean, statistically, you were correct, but... <laughs> absolutely right uh andre the game is so much more than just the numbers on the stat sheet um and i think getting the players to focus on not the numbers is really helpful for like building up their confidence and building up their ability to kind of think outside the box like for me at least when i approach character creation with those people i don't even show them the character sheet right away like i might generate the stats or whatever but my primary conversation is like their character as like a unit right like as their their backstory and only once I know what kind of character they want to play do we then go and try and work backwards to try and fill out a stat sheet by like selecting a class, backstory, etc. The, the perfect way of making a character. What do you want to do? Well, I was looking online and I see that if I go bear totem barbarian with this one race that's immune to psychic damage... You're doing I it wrong. <laughs> and you're like, no, no, no. What do you want to do? Well, I really want to be... A spell thief. I want to capture the avatar and restore my honor. And you're like, oh, we're doing that. You're going to steal all the pants, dude. <laughs> like, let's go. I want to be a sorcerer that uses only touch spells. <laughs> That's a character I have played. <laughs> In that campaign that I was telling you about that David ran, I played this character. I played a... Um... I played a sorcerer for Adventure League for 5e, which was my first experience with Adventure League, and I had one offensive spell, and everything else was non-combat. Hell yeah. That's fantastic. I had Chromatic Orb. That was my offensive first level spell. Everything else did not do damage. Oh, you're the worst. <laughs> Obscuring Mist. <laughs> well, I 
gotta use my chromatic orb, so you know, I can make I you big. I can entangle. I can make you invisible. I can make voice loud. You want your voice to be loud? I got you. <laughs> uh, voice loud can make voice loud. I can do it. Like uh, I owe like this is guy we used to play with. Remember Eric? Errol DMs Marvin. I don't miss that guy. I don't miss him either. He was an asshole, but he taught me what not to do when you're a DM, and then made me a way better DM. And he okay. also taught me how to play the game, which also helped. Well, we got to hear some of these lessons then, if, you, if it was that negative of an experience. Oh my god. Like, I'm going to give you the first one. You ready? Are you ready? You're not ready for this one. I'm not, but I'm ready. Do not give your players experience for killing other players. <laughs> Ooh. That was a thing he did. Somebody showed up to the first session that they were in and immediately got murdered by the party. <laughs> because the party got experience for it. What? Yeah. We killed his ass. I would do the opposite. I would take away experience. Nope, that's not what Eric did. That's not what, it's not what he did. How would you? It's like... It's like a zombie movie. Like where they stumble across like the fresh survivor or whatever. And it's like, oh great, more humans that live. This is amazing. And then they just axe him in the back of the head or whatever and steal their supplies. <laughs> so um Oh man. Oh, it was there was a lot. Like uh I remember he taught me the, the greatest lesson. I still have like PTSD and I refused to leave the party side because of this. Instead, we oh, no. I was playing. We were playing, and me and my friend Joe went off to recon. We just went off like in a different direction to recon, and we split from the party. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Oh, how far do you want to go?" And we're like, "Well, I'm a warforged, so I don't really care about like being tired and eating and all that shit." And he just woke up, so we're gonna recon like uh, two miles. So we go out two miles, and instead of being like, "Hey, you know, you probably shouldn't split the party. Like, maybe go a little shorter or." keep an eye or do something he just goes okay you recon and you find three bears and i go okay i'm gonna avoid the bears too late they saw you and i'm like okay well how did they see me i'm like hiding is like they saw you or they smelled you and i'm like i'm a robot i don't have a sense of smell but you know so for whatever reason our characters were wandering through the thickest bramble and didn't realize until this point so we were running at half speed and the bears, for whatever reason, were running at full speed. So it was impossible to get away from the bears. And it's, and again, instead of just saying, hey, you know, don't go too far, he just killed us. And we had to reroll complete new characters. And, like, I just can't imagine a world where that's fun for you guys as the players. It wasn't. I love my character. Warforges <laughs> are my favorite race. And he would not let me be a Warforge again. He was like, you have to play something else. I was like, okay. Why? <laughs> like... Yeah, why? <laughs> no reason. He had he had literally no reason. No reason. That's not that's not cool. See like And he would mm-hmm. sorry, continue. No, no, go ahead. He would set these like moral quandary traps for no fucking like he would exploit the like druids can't harm nature and paladins can't, you know, do anything that's unlawful. But he wouldn't explain to the player, he would just set these malicious jigsaw traps. <laughs> we're like this is funny to talk about like as a third party but this is not something that sounds fun for for the players involved at all it, it wasn't i mean like the, you know he taught us lessons like i learned again i was a better dm for it and i learned how to play the game but also you know like 
like it was my friend Glasses Joe, and it was like one of his first time playing, and he buttered up Glasses Joe so good, so I knew he was up to something. I'm like, oh, he's buttering this guy up. This dude's brand spanking new. Like he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He's playing a druid. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing is that they go into a cave and a bear's there. I don't know what the fuck his obsession is, his obsession with bears were. <laughs> the bear attacks obviously because the bear wakes up from hibernation. He's like, "What the fuck is this thing doing in my cave?" Mm-hmm. And instead of using like you know animal handling to calm down the bear or some spell to calm down the bear, he kills the bear. The bear's attacking, and he goes, "Oh, you didn't even try to save nature there, so now you're no longer a druid." And for four sessions, he was literally just like a fucking villager. He didn't have any spells or anything. That's not even how that works. <laughs> yeah, that was it. He was just like, that's an apparent thing to nature. And that was it. Does this person understand? Does, does Eric in, in this story understand that bears eat other creatures and thus killing things is a part of nature? Obviously <laughs> not. Like the only time I take away someone's druid powers is if the guy was just like, I'm gonna light the forest on fire, and I go, Why? Well, because, and I'm like, Okay, honestly, yeah, your like, would be wildfires, pissed. no, I mean, honestly, wildfires are an important part of the like nature's life cycle as well. That's totally cool. There's a whole wildfire druid subclass you could do if you want to, <laughs> yeah, but they do yeah. it with meaning. I'm talking about to just destroy nature, to just be like, Fuck this thing. I, I would say that my the only point where I would say no, you've crossed a line is if they're like, I'm gonna go get into the mech, and I'm gonna go kill that guy in the mech. <laughs> like I'm anything short bears in the mech. <laughs> anything short of climbing into a goddamn Gundam and killing like bears or whatever is just it's it's justifiable, right? Um, uh. I love that there's a mech. You, like you bait, I'm picturing you baited this druid. You're just like, I'm going to spawn a mech. If he gets in there, I'm going to get his ass. He's <laughs> not going to be happy. I love this like, malicious view. Of, like, it's like, what happened? Like This war god is trying to trick this druid into like into coming to his side and just to like mess with the other god or whatever. And so like literally has fabricated a huge like mechanical spider like the end of Wild Wild West. <laughs> it's like... Don't you wanna, don't you wanna just climb in, Mister Loveless? Don't you wanna? Oh look, there's a, a test dummy. Huh, you wanna, you wanna squat at it? It was a bear. Yeah. <laughs> it was a polymorphed bear the whole time. I knew um, I heard weird groanings. I just ignored it because the spider was fun. <laughs> fun. You know, I really want to know how every conversation I'm in devolves into the Wild Wild West, starring Will Smith. <laughs> This is mostly my fault. Wild. It's, but like it happens so much. I don't understand. I mean, it's not our fault that Will Smith uh, created a uh, intricate timepiece uh, that kind of encapsulates that decade, uh, the decade that we all remember and definitely know the exact date of because the Wild Wild West premiered during that decade. Um, what do you? What do you mean? That, I mean, I'm, I mean that I'm definitely not looking up the date that Wild Wild West came out. It, it ended a decade. It was 99, my dude. Exactly. And is there anything more 1999 than the Wild Wild West, directed by Barry Stun- Sunfield? Sunfeld? <laughs> Sunnenfeld? Stars Will Smith and the other guy? <laughs> What's his name, Owen? That's totally not on IMTP right <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> I'm on, um... M I B, shut up. 
<laughs> Shut up, you. You want your druid powers. Give me the mech bag. <laughs> but at least, you know, like, I would have been fine if he did that. Like, if he was just like, look, we could either do this one of two ways. I'm either going to take away your druid power or, and then give you, like, another class, right? Because mm-hmm. he was actively complaining that he didn't like druids. Um, or you can just re- get a redo and try again. You know, nice learning lesson here that in my world of whatever, if a bear attacks you, you have to try to pet it first. Or, I mean, I mean, honestly, if you just want to redo, I probably would have just walked up to the party and be like, look, I'm going to disarm myself. Can you just hack me down? I need to respawn. I need to respawn. I need to get a redo on this. And your divination was just like, I was already ready, my friend. <laughs> I think that's super shitty. Also, for new players, I let them re-roll their character. They can play the same personality, same name, same everything, and just choose a different class. I don't care. You're new. None of this is a problem. Exactly. You're not jaded yet, so you don't like like your character is just another one of like the billion that you've made. You're not. You're like you're attached to this thing. I feel you. Like. Well, like, you're trying to figure out where you're going to go in this game. I'm going to help you figure out where you're going to go in this game. I mean, I'll say the other thing, too, to keep in mind is, like, players in general get, like, unless you, like, play D&D for a really long time, you probably only get to play a limited number of characters. Um, you know, so, you know, yeah, let them change it up. You can't expect a new player to, like, intricately understand any of the starting class, any of the classes or whatever. So yeah, they're going to make some feat choices or some stat choices that are not good. And if you're running a campaign where you really do want them to play optimized characters in some way, first of all, redesign your campaign for the new players. Number two, um, let them change it up. There's no harm in it. Yeah. I forgot, I was playing with my new group. I forgot who told me. So I've been playing with this new group for like a year or two years now. Um, and we just started Curse of Strahd in the later half of last year. And I know them, and I'm like, they really fall in love with their characters. So, uh, little spoilers, but in the Curse of Strahd, well, I think it's Ravenholm, right? Curse of Strahdland? Uh, Ravenloft. 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 And Ravenloft, um, your spirit is, like, forever tethered there if you die. So I'm just, like, using, they don't know this, but I'm using that as, like, a, 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 like a bank off of being, like, okay, cool. So, like, even if you die, you know, your spirit stays there. So your spirit can either inhabit a new character so you can keep the same person but make them different. Or you just kind of respawn at the end of the day. And that's fine. Whatever. Like, soft touch. <laughs> and also because Curse of Strahd is a kill pit. Yeah. It, I, I've never played Curse of Strahd, like, from start to finish personally. I played a little bit of it during Adventure League, but... Um, with the aforementioned non-combat sorcerer, you can imagine the rest of the players loved me for it. Um, <laughs> so. A werewolf is eating my face. I can make him smaller werewolf, but he'll still eat your face. <laughs> I can make a fog so the rest of us don't have to see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, kind of. Um, I-, I was really popular, as you can imagine. I, I also took a-, a tool proficiency in painting, so, like... I think we walked up and there was like a pile of bodies or something. I like busted out an easel and I'm like, look, I'm going to paint this while you guys do some investigating. And I painted like the pile. Of... It... I was eccentric. It would be gothic Bob Ross in that one. Beat the devil out of it. Beat the devil into it. What are goths like? 
depends on your proclivities, I guess. Um, uh, so I was going somewhere with this story. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> yeah, that's what I feel like. My, oh, I remember. Can I let me do my point while you remember your point? So, respawning characters, yada yada. But one of my character, one of my players, um, she was like, "Oh, I took the wrong." combat feature for paladin and i go cool what do you want it to be and you should have seen the look on her face she was like (laughs) what do you mean and i'm like you fucked up let's fix it what do you want she's like you're letting me change it and i'm like yeah (laughs) bro this is like your fourth time playing ever like i don't give a fuck (laughs) no strings attached like it's not competitive We're like, I'm telling you the story. Like, my enjoyment is watching what crazy shit you have to do that you do that I have to deal with. It's, that's my fun. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so I remember true. what I was going to say. Um, if you go to, like, the resurrection angle, you could even mm-hmm. boil that into the story where, like, there's some, like, divine protection that causes the characters to not be able to die or something. Like, some deity is like, no, these are the heroes I've designated. They need to kill Strahd because he's an affront to, to my divinity or whatever um or you know something else it's super crazy that you're saying that honestly the long game plan is that eventually i've I've modded the campaign a little bit i can't help myself it was going to be my first Mm -hmm. like cup like i've never done like a campaign campaign setting well i've done the setting yeah i've never done a module this is my first module and I i just can't help myself so the reason that I explain the re- why they keep coming back, eventually they'll stumble upon it, is that reason. It's like a god that's just like, yo, fuck Strahd. But at the very end, it's actually Strahd. <laughs> like Strahd wants to die? Like, yeah, because like, I was watching a bunch of YouTube videos learning how to do the module, and they're like, remember that Strahd wants to find a successor. That's his whole thing, that he wants out. He's been in command of this place for so long that he wants out. But, well, and then his whole thing is that he, like, goes to, like, one and like one player. So you want to get to, like, your shittiest player. It's, like, the only time it's really good to have that dude that everyone hates at the table. Because mm-hmm. he goes to that guy, and you send him secret messages, and he tries to convert him to his side. And no matter what happens, so let's say Devin. Devin sounds like an asshole name. I'm sorry if there's any Devins listening. That's literally uh, my younger brother. Oh, sorry. Is he an asshole? No. <laughs> you don't have to answer. <laughs> I'm going to send this to my friend Devin, too. <laughs> but, like, you know, the Devin at the table who's, like, usually steals from the party or get, tries to get them killed or whatever. Strat comes up to him and he's just like, yo, I can let you take over. You just have to make sure that everyone else is dead. And so he kills the whole party. And at the end, no matter what happens, Strat is like, bro, you did a really good job, but I would have done it better. And then you skin him alive. <laughs> like no matter what happens Strahd wants a replacement so bad because he's so fucking bored but he's so arrogant that no matter what the player does it's not good enough will... exactly it's n- it's not as good as Strahd can do I've known people like that where like no matter what you do it's never good enough exactly like the sociopath the fucking the megalomaniac <laughs> toxic, toxic DMs I mean what I mean, you know. I'm just saying, there's a common denominator here, Mervyn. I mean, you're not wrong. It's the word X, right? Yeah, yeah. See, you catch on fast. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) 
Flink says I don't come here to be attacked. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean... Then why are you still here? Not that I'm trying to get you to leave, but we attack you every time. If the shoe Seven fits. Seven episodes in, you should know that now. Wait, who said that? Flink. <laughs> so... I'm just saying, when we're talking about, you know, like, toxicity, you shouldn't... Your, your response should not be, like, I feel seen. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Picturing at home, he's listening to the podcast. I'm like megalomaniac, and his his ears perk. He's like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I want to say something. <laughs> Are we talking about me? <laughs> Is it my turn now? I'm if... going on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's probably only a matter of time. Um... <laughs> it's definitely only a matter of time. Absolutely. But um. No, I mean, I, I think that, you know, um, that sounds really exciting as far as, like, modifying the module. And I think that, like, if you're going to run a module, like, yeah, make some changes. Make it interesting. Um, you know, tie in your players' backstories to it, for God's sake. <laughs> Don't just run it out of the book and, like, okay, I need you to make character backstories. And then never reference any of it, never work it in. Because that's what they do at Adventure League, and it sucks. <laughs> well, it's yeah, Adventure I League is like, uh, I don't it's just so they can fucking... Basically, I think it was to like try to get DMs to get something to work with, but it, the thing is so fucking manufactured that it's like it's like jumping off a plane. Like if you're like a World War II paratrooper, they're just like, "And you're in, go, 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 go!" Yeah, all right, cool. Like then that's it. At least that's what my experiences from like the couple of adventure leagues that I've done. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, it's very much like, you know, okay, you want to come? Okay, uh, go sit at that table. Like, uh, but this isn't the group of people I was playing with last week. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They're they're playing the same module as you. You'll never see Garrick the Derek the Dwarf ever again. And you're going to have to live with that. That was the thing that Let's bugged me the most, to be honest, was, like, how you were very clearly interchangeable. There was no, like, sense of continuity. And I think, to me, that's the reason why I really enjoy D&D, is, like, the sense of story building and continuity. Like, when I run a campaign, like, I very... I keep saying, like, when I run a campaign, I try very hard to make it seem like each story beat that comes up during the course of the plot relates in some way to either something that the players just did or have done in the past. So that way, when something happens, it feels like there's consequence to their actions. Exactly. And, like, the places lived in. Like, they're invested now. Yeah. They're the yeah. Like, that's, that's amazing. That's perfect. But yeah, Adventure League definitely doesn't fucking even bring a life to that. Yeah. I feel like, like Adventure League is like speed dating to try to find players in DMs to be friends, but it happens so fast that you don't really find anyone ever. Much like speed dating. <laughs> and you never get to stick with a group. Yeah. Like, I almost feel like Adventure League, in my opinion, I think has the opportunity to be something really amazing if you were to run it that way where you could realistically get a network of DMs who are running multiple players in the same lived universe as long as everybody's agreeing on it and run it that way. And that would be really cool because, you know, we have an actual reason for a bunch of people to get together and play D&D in the same building. Um, mm -hmm. But the reality and is that they just don't coordinate that. It makes that. sense that, uh, you know, you're not with the same DM every week. Yeah. You know, and I think the other thing is that it gives the DM... Like, one thing I will say is that it does let the DMs really perfect the modules in question if they really want to try to, um, because it lets them run the same modules over and over again. Um, mm -hmm. But, like, I can't imagine DMing for a group of players and not trying to work something from their backstory into it. Like, that just seems so boring. Yeah. Like, oh, 
Especially, imagine if they took what was it, Sage, where they learned the terrible secret. Not sure imagine to be honest. They take a whole, <laughs> but yeah, it's Hermit. Hermit's the one, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. And then they learned like the crazy terrible secret. Imagine you go to there, and you're like, "I'm a hermit," and he's like, "Cool, your crazy terrible secrets, and I'm not going to see you next week." And wow. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah. Background. Uh, yeah. That's so rude. <laughs> <laughs> the secret is that you were a cog in a greater machine. They're completely interchangeable. <laughs> And replaceable. For like one second, the like friendly persona facade face. <laughs> wow, this is your character. Neat. Looks yeah, so yeah. interesting. I I really appreciate the the creative choices you've made. They're very unique. Oh, hermit <laughs> background. Okay. Uh, so for the dark secret that you learn, the greater truth of the universe, is that all things die one day, and that your character is completely interchangeable. And in fact, your character will not be the same character the following day because you'll probably be in another group and we'll never see anybody ever again. Also, you're banned from the store. <laughs> also, you're banned from the store. That's great. Yeah, also, you're banned from the store. Like, never take permitted eventually. <laughs> it's like a house rule. It's how you, it's how you rule out uh, certain people. It's like, you're not going to fit into this group. Like, wh- what do you mean? <laughs> You picked Hermit. You can't do it. You're not, you don't belong here. Like, is it like, oh, what'd you pick for your background? Oh, I took a Hermit, and it, like, seems to echo in the store, and the store gets, like, dead silent, and there's, like, no one sound. Like, I, what this sounds like a, sounds like the psycho test that they gave to Aang when they found out that he was the Avatar. Like, you picked the four toys. <laughs> You're all the toys, and you picked the wrong one. <laughs> what? Don't you mean the right ones? No. No, I do You're not. You're the avatar. You gotta deal with it. <laughs> the worst thing that's gonna happen to us is that we're gonna die, and then that's it. The thing is that you're gonna have to <laughs> fight a war by yourself, dog. Like, suffer, I don't know yeah, suffer. So, Andre... Frozen. That's not good for your bones. <laughs> so, um... So, I guess, Andre, one thing I did want to uh, talk to you about, um, you know, you mentioned kind of uh, creating, like, a lived-in world. Um, what are some of the things that you do as a DM to try and make the world feel lived-in? Uh, honestly, just basically what you said. So get their backstories in, right? Um, at least have one or two memorable NPCs. I usually have like a like a backlog of just like really short name interchangeable like three or four characteristics NPCs that they'll never see again. So like, well, I'll basically so I improv ninety nine percent of everything that I do. Like, on the spot, this is happening, no pre-planning. The most I'll pre-plan is, like, again, what I said. I'll, I'll like, if you ever play with me physically, you'll see my DM screen, and you'll see me roll a shit ton of dice all the time. And it's literally just this little list that I have in front of me. And I'm really bad with names, so I just let my characters name all the NPCs. <laughs> and, like, all of them. And some of them are good. Like, they'll be like, oh, you know, that's uh, Bim Buck Wild. And you're like, that's a really cool name. Bim Buck Wild Outlaw? Holy shit. And other times you'll be like, that's Poopy McFart. And I'm like, okay, cool. You guys go to the fucking mayor's office of Poopy McFart. And they're just like, hee, hee, hee. And you find Poopy McFart just standing there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just standing there pooping and farting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, me. <laughs> but, like, I'll have this little sheet, and it'll just be like, 
depending on how I'm feeling that day, it'll be like from one to twenty little things about that character. And whenever one the dice lands on it, it gets taken off the list, so it's not repeated that session. So it'll go anywhere from super nice to has a crazy craving for animal flesh. So if you have like a monstrous <laughs> class, he just looks at you and kind of drools. It's like, like lips, licks his lips a little bit. Anything in between, and then depending on how relevant this thing is, or, or how much how bored I am, or how like crazy I want to be, I'll just roll like boom, 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 and I'll be like, "Cool." So this guy has a phobia of fire, but is also sexually attracted to them. Got it? Okay, cool. Needs to be called Bob, even though he only answers to the name Derek. Okay, cool. And then like. <laughs> His shoes are always untied, and if you touch them, he turns into a snake man and slithers away. Got it. And then we'll go. And it'll just be like a store keep, and we'll hit those beats. And so like, for whatever reason... Sorry, what? They're not good. And for whatever reason, like that makes like a world of difference. Because, no, again, like what we were saying earlier, no one's going to remember the time that you shot a fireball and killed half, like, killed a dude. But everyone's going to remember the dude who's afraid of fire but also wants to fuck it. So it sounds and like this you is almost how you plan out improvisation. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, that's what I was gonna say. It's, so it sounds like what you're actually doing is just kind of creating like a, a pre-generated list of traits and just kind of using them as improv prompts and going from there. Basically. Interesting. I like it. Yeah, and I think that that's definitely a really good way to generate some really interesting, you know, traits. If you you know if you're gonna spend a you know afternoon thinking of like bizarre character traits or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. It also really sucks when you do it to your big bad evil guy. <laughs> so like those, I usually plan out way in advance. So, um, <laughs> although I will say, I sometimes feel like sometimes my like evil bad guy characters tend to bleed together a little bit, where sometimes they they feel a little samey. I don't know. Maybe Marvin can tell me otherwise, but um, that's always a concern I mean, that I have. <laughs> he's fishing for reassurance, Marvin. Help him. I mean. <laughs> I think I've only actually, like, experienced one big bad evil guy that you made. Because I think I've only played in, like, three or four campaigns that you've run. I suppose that's fair. Maybe Nick uh, would be a better person to ask. Nick, you in the chat? You bet he is. Say something, Nick. Nick. Yeah, Nick, come on, dude. Good job, Nick. I can't see the chat. Uh, Bob, I was not talking about you because you made that big bad evil guy. <laughs> uh, Nick says, I'd say Charles and Chance had similar smugness, but are unique in their approach. So really, you're just a smug bastard. Okay, <laughs> I take that. That's consistent. So you'll have the weird traits, but no matter what, smug is the one that like, sticks. <laughs> it just starts the list. Like I have a whole like chart where like I roll a d twenty, but it's just smug on answers one through twenty. Smug thinks he's doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. He's jaded. Has PTSD. Cool. Smug. <laughs> he's baby. <laughs> is the lich? All right. Cool. <laughs> I don't think the lich was smug. The lich was a bitch. The lich was definitely that. No, don't cookie. The lich was like, I'm gonna talk big. And then we're like, but now you're not invisible. And the lich was like, time to run away. 
<laughs> smugly though. I run away with my nose in the air. <laughs> Andre, check your uh, mic setting. Oh my bad. We good now? Are you doing this on purpose? <gasps> no. What do I sound like? Oh, an echo. So uh, <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> I, what did I sound like? Did it, was it echoey? Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. A little t- uh, it was like echoey with a little bit of a tin quality to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I got this new mic that I've been using in my uh, D&D campaign. Mm-hmm. And it comes with like a bunch of preset things. So like whenever they go into a cave, you know, we'll be like, oh, no, you're in a cave. Mm. Oh, I like that. That is nice. They go, and whenever they go into like, they meet the big bad evil guy. So it'll be like, oh, like you approach a throne. And for whatever reason, because I put it <laughs> It doesn't make sense if you see him yet. It's one of those spinny thrones that you could spin around to get to look at the guy in the back towards you. And you go, he goes, Welcome. I've been waiting for you. <laughs> That's wonderful. I like that. I, should get one <laughs> like, I think one of my NPCs that I've made that I've like I've only whipped out once and I'm super upset is uh he's actually one of the characters I love playing. It's my last name, Calvillo. But he's a Warforge, and his name is Calvi One One Zero because that's how you spell my name. Mm-hmm. That's and, excellent. Uh, he he doesn't know he's a robot. <laughs> <laughs> and like he tries so hard to be human because he thinks he's human. It's like oh, he's like Mister Data from uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, yeah, combined with dumb. Philip J. Fry from that one episode of Futurama. More that. <laughs> it's like, uh, why? Why is he shoving food into his face? <laughs> he'll shove food into his mouth, and it just seeps from the side. And as like, as soon as it hits the ground, he'll then start trying to chew. So he's like, <laughs> delicious. <laughs> just doesn't even understand that. Like, he just thinks that like taste is something that people just use as like an ex- as like an exclamation. Doesn't understand that it's an actual thing that people experience. Oh, that'd be good. That's funny. It was slimy and delicatessen. Yes. <laughs> we love. And he like pulled out a little sheet and like he looked at the menu again. Ravioli. <laughs> I love how sweet and spicy it is. You had cereal. Sweet and spicy cereal. <laughs> uh, this sounds awful. It sounds amazing. <laughs> it's like a less sad Alphonse Elric. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> he didn't deserve that. Um, <laughs> I mean, technically he did. Yeah... Yeah. Do you guys DM? Do you guys do like crazy voices? Uh, I don't do anything crazy. I'll do like I'll do the gruff, you know, uh, yeah. inspector guy, or I'll do the the crazy old man. <laughs> old man McGucket. Old man McGucket. My favorite <laughs> character. Best NPC. <laughs> I'll do some voices. It kind of depends on the on the character. Um, I, I don't have a huge range, but you know, I'll try and like if it's a memorable NPC, I'll try to attribute something to their to their personality traits that makes them memorable in some way. Um, 
So, like, if it's, you know, like the big bad evil guy, you know, it's like, oh, well, hello, everyone. So glad of you to join us. You know, like that kind of, like, smug air. Yeah. Or, like, if it's, like, the lich lady or whatever, it's like, so you've chosen death. Yeah. You know, kind of. Until she wasn't invisible anymore. So, um... So, you know, it just kind of depends. You know, I, I know I talked a little bit about Gilligan, um, the the sword salesman that I did. And he had, like, a fun, like, surfer voice that I can only do, like, for 30 seconds at a time. Where it's like, whoa, dude, like, hey, let's, uh, let, let, you, you see this sword here? Yeah, it's pretty awesome, don't you think? Um, kind of deal. So. What's your figure voice coming out? Like, gotta go, dude, bye. But, like, when you do the silly voice, like, is, is that the NPC that all your players talk about? Uh, I mean, usually it's the things that the play- that the NPC does. But, yeah, that definitely, like, contributes to it. So, like, if they come up, you know, across a shop, it's like, Kermit the Frog here. Hello. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, and the shop keeps, like, wife or whatever. It's like, oh, Kermit, hello. You know, it's like, <laughs> like, do we just, do we just buy potions from a fucking Muppet? Yes, yes we did. <laughs> Embrace it. So, um, I have no idea if those impressions are good at all. I'm going to listen to this later on. I'll find out, I guess. Um, so... We're going we're gonna to just, good enough. Good enough, yes. I, I knew exactly what you were doing, and I heard it. And if you were to do that completely out of context, I'd be like, yo, I just bought potions from a Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um, so I, I will do the voices, um... It just kind of depends, because usually when I'm doing NPC generation, I usually only spend time thinking about NPCs like that are like key plot characters, and from there I'll tend to kind of like flush out a voice or a character. I'll spend time during the week getting in character to kind of understand their mindset. Um, but I don't really do a good job of like generating NPCs off the top of my head all that often. Google this, bro. Do it. I'm telling you. It'll change. It'll change the way, and like you'll be excited for NPCs, just like really shitty one-off ones that don't matter, like a shell game guy, and then just like roll the dice and just be like, "All right, cool, shell game guy," and he's the size of a pixie, and no one knows how he moves the shells. Got it. And then you just go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes I I generate NPCs that I end up tying into like larger plot points later. So we had a, a situation where like the players met a guy named Chance, and he was like just super shitty like he was just not like a super nice guy but he hired the party to transport him from like point a to point b as quickly as they feasibly could so they like gave their horses like an aphrodisiac that would let them like run for like 48 hours straight or something without dying of exhaustion <laughs> so <laughs> like they're running for you did you mean like a steroid no <laughs> only a rat Dude, we, uh... Started this campaign with four horses, and now we have eight. <laughs> I think I'm dying. Um, so the story continues where um, during the course of this trip, the players actually got into a bit of an altercation with this guy and were, like, super shitty to him. Like, at one point, I think they threw him off of the cart and threatened to kill him. Um, stop, stop making our horse horny. Stop it. <laughs> so, it's like, stop. You're making the horse upset. Stop, you're making a horse erect. Stop it. It's not where I thought this evening was going to go. Um, so anyways, long story short, the guy gets back on the cart. They 
settle on an easy piece and basically they get back to town and you know they're like okay you know you transport us he's like here's the rest of your payment you know and like the guy was a crime boss so of course he goes and hires some thugs to go rough him up um, as the players are kind of going about their their day the players go towards um this lighthouse that's kind of in the middle of town um because like the the port albatross is like a um it's a city that's built on two different uh decks basically there's like the port deck on the bottom and then there's the upper deck where like you know, rich people live but in the center of the city there's this lighthouse where the original shoreline used to be um but the city is expanded beyond that by building you know deck out into the cape basically so there's this obsolete lighthouse that's been converted into a restaurant that's owned by this old lady that I made up on the spot. And so um, the players seemed to really like uh, Gertrude, which was her name. Um, yeah. And it was basically a red lobster in the middle of town. And the players ended up getting into a fight there because that's where they were when, you know, the, the thug showed up. But I didn't want the thug to, like, hurt this little old lady. So, like, I made it very clear that, like... You know, for whatever reason, she was the one, you know, business that was excluded from the protection racket. You know, like, she was the, you know, badass old, little old lady who, like, nobody messed with. That's great. Um, yeah, I did nearly kill her, but then, um... So... <laughs> so, um... Anyway, come to find out, um, this chance guy that they met, that they fucked with, uh, was, like, a crime boss in that town. And, um... And, you know, obviously the players were on the ba- on a bad side with him. He tried to install his younger brother um, in as, like, the, like, you know, guild master of that town or whatever by, like, coercing the players. The players then immediately outed him to both the leader of the guild as well as his brother who didn't know that, that was going to happen. Like, that was going on. Um, and so that turned into a whole thing. Come to find out, this little old lady, I decided to make it... Um, Chance's mother, like that's that's why it is that she was left alone, because it's his mom who lives in town, and he's not about to hustle his mom. That's great. I'll hustle anyone except for the old mumsy. I love you, mumsy. Yeah, but like the player, the players actually made a really good impression on the old lady. Um, stopped her, you know, her restaurant from burning down and stuff. And so, like after they kind of provided all the evidence, they they flipped her and got her to like kind of vouch for the party when it came time to like talk to the guild master in charge of the town. Um, and so that's how they got him arrested uh, the first time. So, um, Hell yeah. did you say first time? Well, technically there hasn't been a second time yet, but he did escape. So, so presumably there will be a second time at some point. Oh no, he already, hi- Oh yeah, I forgot. That was the, the same guy who had hired like the world cast, world-class master assassins to go try and kill the party. Um, Hell yeah. Twice. He's hired them twice now to do this. Um, so. Oh, I hope he, I hope if he kills an NPC, his mom gives him hell. Or when he kills one of the PCs, the mom gives him hell. to be so fucking Well, funny. he's definitely not going back home, that's for sure. <laughs> 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 so. You completely, like, just made up that NPC on the spot, right? Well, I made up the old lady on the spot. Technically, I made up Chance on the spot, too. I didn't add in the backstory until after they arrived at the town. Because I was so annoyed that the players fucked with him during the trip. Where it's like, no, no, no. You guys don't get to just, like, you know, randomly shit on NPCs just because they're shitty to you, all right? Like, if this NPC is shitty to you, that doesn't give you, you know, carte blanche to, like, hold person and threaten to kill this dude. So I'm going to make this guy have some amount of power. And, like, he has no heroic levels. I think he has, like, 15 HP or something. So he's definitely, like, very killable by the players. 
but he has so much money and influence in the town that they dare not because they don't know what contingencies he has in place. <laughs> Those are always the fucking best. I like, like that. That's really sick. There's it's always the it's always the ones that you make on the spot that somehow always end up being like the really 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 interesting ones. Yeah, because like mean, it, it, mm-hmm. you follow that train of thought where it's just like. You know what would be fucking sick? And that's my favorite thing. As soon as I hear that, like, in my own brain, it, it happens. You know what would be sick? If this dude had a coat made of badgers, and then I would introduce the badger king. I feel like that's just how... I don't know. Andre, you have some real himbo energy right now. I'm just going to leave it at that. Right now? I mean, in time. general, but... um. know what himbo is. <laughs> Am I hot? Uh, it like I'm it's like Kronk from the Emperor's New Groove. Ah, oh, yeah. Himbo. The himbo for Andre. Andre Himbo. That himbo? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. <laughs> so. I don't like how good that impression was. That was actually really solid. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it, dude. Look, man, in a town of Cusco's, I would love being a Kronk every time. I mean, that feels Kronk on is brand. the best character in that movie. Hell yeah, let's go. That's true. I don't even remember half the other characters. I mean, there's only like three other characters. <laughs> I only remember the names of two of them, so, you know. There's the dad from Roseanne, who's also Sully, so I'm gonna call him Sully. I don't think there's that's his name, though. <laughs> I think his name is Patches? Pot- isn't it? Pacha. Like, Pacha? Is Pacha. Uh-huh. According to IMDb, <laughs> I mean my brain. I, I I mean, you could have said it was Poncho and I would have believed you, because... <laughs> but that because sounds he wears a poncho. <laughs> but he wears a poncho. I mean, he has a hat, too. Nobody remembers the fucking hat. I didn't remember the hat until... Now I can't see him without it. Thank you. Thank you, Owen. I mean, you know, you, you join a movie review podcast, this is what you get. That's not what we are! But we talk about movies every single time. Whose fault is that? Mostly mine. Exactly. The boy likes movies. Flink says put some respect to John Goodman's name. No. Is that Sully? Oh, it is Sully. I found him. (laughs) I ain't gonna respect shit. How do you guys handle uh, player characters who are disrespecting your NPCs? Because I, I tell you what, it's really hard sometimes to not, like, <laughs> to not viciously punish when you feel a little disrespected. <laughs> I always viciously punish, every time. Uh, one time, Alan started yelling at gods who were fucking with the party with magic mist, so they started touching him with uh, necrotic damage. Just gotta, just gotta make sure they know who's boss. <laughs> always viciously punish. Especially but when, also, like... Also, the same party made friends with Asmodeus, so, like, mm. it works. <laughs> yeah. That is a real bad touch. I only punish if it's, like, an, an important one, I guess. But, or if they're going down a path that they shouldn't be going down. Like... If they're fucking with him, but they're just, like, kind of trolling or in good fun or, you know, they genuinely think that they can't trust this dude, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But if they see the herbo- the ho- the murder hobo flag start a raisin, 
suddenly this common town folk uh, is a level 30 wizard, so have fun with that. What do you know? It was a gold dragon in disguise the whole time. You were in Bramble this entire time and never noticed, and there's three bears. Have fun. Secret <laughs> dragon wizard. <laughs> and then, like, I'll I'll punish them in, like, weird ways. Not in, like, there's, there's always, like, the, the first warning, mm-hmm. right? Where you, because, you know, it's a world of magic. You do whatever. So, like, there's always the first warning where, like, oh, you feel sick and you don't understand why. And that'll kind of make buttholes tighten on the table and kind of be like, cool, don't fuck with them, got it. <laughs> um, but if if they continue, <laughs> uh, it usually ends up in like a side quest or then it gets like something fucking crazy and just to like earn respect on this website. Because again, like it's, it's like a whole check balance thing where like, hey, murder hobo not cool, but I can get it because, you know, you can't trust everyone, right? But that doesn't mean you should bully them. Yeah, I think that, like, it's important to make sure the players understand that by comparison to the normal townsfolk, they're pretty powerful, but there's usually a bigger fish somewhere. It might not be in town, um, but in general, I'm a pretty big proponent of, you know, far-reaching consequences for stupid actions. Um, <laughs> so, Knight, uh, who does not speak in the distance, but has been hunting us for the past three days. Who are you? Remember? John <laughs> Benowitz, my brother that you messed with in town A? <laughs> You're like, oh, no, God. who's that? You killed him and transformed his hands into tuna. <laughs> oh, good old fish fingers. <laughs> <laughs> He'll never find a wife now. I think that's I think that's my number one pitfall of a, a DM though. That like, even no matter how important the character is, if the joke is good enough, I kind of let it slide. You'll sack it. It's really, <laughs> really bad. But like, if you can get a chuckle out of me, I'm like, I have to let it happen. That's fucking sick. <laughs> See, my problem is that like I will often undercut serious moments with jokes, but then retcon the joke away because I want the moment to be serious. <laughs> That was out of character. Out of character. Everyone look at me. Look at the character sheets. Was did not happen. It's like that was outside. None of this is real. Guys, <laughs> none of this happened. Just pretend it wasn't there. You didn't see shit. Yeah. Like, Goblin the Goblin, your best friend, is still dead. Okay? We're in this zone and scene. Um like I think like one and like sometimes I'll do it and I'll be like, shit, I should have just gone for it. That would have been way better. So like I recall when I was running the It Follows campaign with uh with uh, Marvin as a PC. Um uh-huh. Um and so if you I don't know, have you seen It Follows the movie? It's a popular oh, horror yeah. film. Cool. So the bad guy in that movie in that in that movie is basically the, the main like antagonistic force in this campaign that I'm running for three point five. Um Explain and, it. Um, well, is it spoilers for your campaign? Or is no, this is, this is an old campaign. Many oh, okay. this, this is an explain, old campaign. Explain what the creature does for people who haven't seen it. Okay, so the the concept of it follows is basically it's a supernatural uh, STD, where once you have it... <laughs> it's good. No, ghost AIDS implies that it only impacts ghosts. This actually impacts people. Um, <laughs> it's ghost comma AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, so... So It Follows is a movie where you basically have a supernatural STD where um, you can pass it on to somebody else and there's this creature that can take the form of anybody 
and will slowly walk towards you. And once it gets you, you meet some unspecified horrific end. You you know, it like drags your soul to hell or whatever. And then it pursues the next person in line. Um, and so basically the only way for you to kind of be quote unquote safe from it is to pass it on to the neck to somebody else and try and get far enough removed from the chain that, you know, it's presumably not your problem anymore. Um, so I was running a and d uh, 3.5 campaign before I had moved to Vegas um, many years ago now where um, the players, Marvin was playing a bibliophile who was very much a fan of books. And so after a few sessions of like the normal, you know, high adventure stuff, you know, uh, saving local towns and killing wolves in caves and uh, finding the adventure stone. Um, there was a political intrigue subplot. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there enough political intrigue? No, I think th- you're right. I think that there was a political intrigue subplot. I want to say that there was also a subplot about like legendary artifacts that you guys had found that like was the real thing, even though people thought it was a replica or something. I don't remember exactly. Um, that sounds right. Anyways, so um, important important to note, all of the police force in this uh, setting wore, like, emerald green cloaks. Like, it was like a, like a forest green cloaks or whatever, like, um, with, like, a hood up and everything, and that was all the police. So they got contracted to go find this spooky book. Marvin opens the book and unleashes the curse, um, because I knew that he would open the book because there was no way he wasn't going to. Um, and so the curse was basically there's this thing that would follow them, and once it got close enough, it was roleplay that it was like sucking their soul out, but it dealt experience damage. Um, so mm-hmm. I, it would, I'd roll like 5d20 or something, and they lost that much experience. Um, you know, it just for being near it. So, great. <laughs> so, <laughs> and they couldn't hurt, they couldn't harm it. Um, they tried, like, casting a spell, did nothing, they tried to attack it, it just dealt more experience damage, that was bad news. Um, and it lo- and it, it was a creature that was, you know, dressed in a green cloak, so now they're at a point where anytime they're even remotely near the police or the guards in the city, they don't know if it's this creature that's getting close to them or not, which was really fun. Um, did you do that with, like, if they hit it, they're like, oh, how much damage did you do? Oh, I did, uh, 20 damage. Okay, cool, you take, uh, take 20 experience away from you, and you're like, oh, <laughs> I had it scaled based off of proximity, so, like, if you ended your turn within, like, 15 feet of it, you lost, like, a d6 of experience, and you got a really bad feeling about it. And then, like, if you ended its turn, like, on you, you took, like, I want to say it was, like, 4d100 or something in experience. Oh, my God. Jesus. Like, straight up, I was deleveling you if you got close enough. Because um, they were all... leveled out. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, so, anyway, the specific scene I'm referring to was they were in town, and they were trying to figure out what to do, and Marvin sent his familiar to fly through it. And as a joke, I said, it bursts into flames and emerges on the other side. <laughs> and like, you really should have ran with that one. I should have run with it. I regret every minute from that moment on that I said that I rolled it back. But like, uh... I had to keep it with the idea that it, like nothing could impact it. And if I lead you on the path that you know this magic impacted it in some way it could su- undercut what i was trying to do with the story so um but like it would definitely would have been way funnier if you're familiar just died just like it exploded honestly i would have had it not that the magic impacted it in some way it just the familiar was like weak to whatever it was and it just died immediately from losing experience what was a familiar? It was a, a raven, I think. 
for a crow. It turned into an egg. Ooh. I like the level so far. It turned to an egg and then crashed against the floor and just splattered. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh no. Um, How did like uh, did you have to like make someone else read the book? Did you have to do like that scene from the Boondocks where they tied him to the bed? So unfortunately, this the campaign did not get a uh, conclusion. Although um, I did have a conclusion in mind, um, I, I moved, so I wasn't able to complete it at the time. Um, Damn. That's so interesting. I love, I love that shit. Yeah. The... I hate it when, when people are like, oh, you got that idea from this. I'm like, yeah, but how fucking cool is it? <laughs> how well, great I, is I mean, it to make people like... live through this? Yeah, exactly. Like, obviously don't like, you know, oh, it's, it's just Edward Ulrich. Like, obviously change it in some way, but like, like this is done perfectly. Like, it doesn't have to do with sex. It has to do with a book. And then how do you stop it? Like, do you yeah. make someone else read it? Like, if you try to metagame, and then you could just throw another twist and be like, no, sucker, now it's, there's two of them now. And you're like, oh, shit, like, <laughs> the book is mine, my burden alone. Yeah. I, um, so I did, so the way that I run campaigns is I tend to think of story beats in advance, and I try to nudge the campaign towards that direction. So in this case, I had two story beats that were planned for this campaign that I did not get to execute on. One... Uh, well, I guess three technically. So one, most de- options they were going to explore were just going to be ineffective. And they had to deal with whatever other problems were going on in addition to this being in the background. Um, the second story beat was I want them to find like a cleric of like Palor or something that was 100% certain that it could stop this thing. And like up until this point, only they could see this creature. So I want this cleric to be like, no, I can see it. You know, I can see this foul beast. And I really, really, really wanted a moment where... You know, he's doing, like, the whole, like, exorcist, like, chanting, like, you know, be banished or whatever as the thing's, like, walking towards him. And then it just, like, it sucks his soul out and he dies. Like, it did not work. Um, He does the spell. And they're like, did it work? The thing's right next to you. What's right next to me? And then he just turns into a raisin and you're like, no. (laughs) Yeah, cue the face-melting scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? (laughs) Um, Now it's stronger. (laughs) Um, and then the, the final resolution was that um, this creature was a vestige from 3.5, so basically I would have required one of the players to take a level in Binder in order to resolve it. Hey, I'll make a contract with you, Doug, if you just leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> and you know what? I would have done it. I would have been the one to take that level. Hell yeah. I've always wanted to play a Binder. They're so cool. Would you be able, would you would you be like nice and be like or uh I don't know, it depends I guess it depends on how you feel cuz like when stuff like that happens, I'll give the players abilities and stuff. Like just like homebrew shit, obviously. Would you have done that like a homebrew thing where like oh, now that you're binded to it, you know, and you have this contract with it, you can now not you obviously you wouldn't be able to suck the XP out of something, but like you know, like make it a little weak for a turn or something. Yeah. You know, take I mean, disadvantage or something. I I do like homebrewing stuff for, like, story beats, and I think that's a really powerful thing that I think more DMs should do, because I think it helps reinforce the idea that characters that you interact with are not on a on a um uh, linear progression, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not by the book. Yeah, well, and I think it's really important for NPCs, too, because one of the worst things you can do is, like, I run into the this NPC, it's like, oh, I bet you he's, like, a high-level barbarian, and it's like, no, like might have barbarian-like traits, but, like, this character is their own NPC. They don't need to follow character-level progression. Dude, that is the craziest thing that you said, barbarian, because I, I was going to say that I had this character in my campaign 
um, he's an orc, orc barbarian, and I made my own class for him, and he's a necromancer orc barbarian, where when he rages, he literally summons the spirit of the dead around him. That's great. And <laughs> yeah, like exactly, like something weird and like completely unbalanced, and like for fun. And I was gonna make it. I was gonna flush it out, but unfortunately, I didn't have a barbarian. But I was gonna flush it out where if I did have a barbarian. <laughs> Because um, he fell in love with one of the characters, like not mm-hmm. physically in love or emotionally in love, but he just like he became infatuated with them. He was just like, he was like, oh, you you like death, like I like death. You understand it, like I understand it. And he's like all fucked up, and he's an orc, and he's missing one eye. And he talks like this, he's like, we talk with like the side of my mouth, and I'm like, oh, you understand. But if he was a barbarian, I was gonna offer him a subclass and be like, do you want this as your subclass instead? And it was his class. <laughs> that's awesome um like that. that reminds me of um of the world of the hexblade warlock i had in my party actually up until well the, the player left the game but um basically what i did is because with the hexblade warlock you can um bind any weapon as your hexblade once you're like a certain level or whatever yeah so fucking so good so good so um so this character unlike the normal hexblade um they had an encounter with like an elder brain and she was able to like absorb its essence and turn it into like a maul that she would use as her like primary weapon. Um, and it had like an extra like D10 of psychic damage or something attached to it. It was a pretty broken weapon. So, yeah. so the idea behind the character was that, cause eventually they ended up finding another warlock with the same patron. And so the storyline is that the patron was running a, um, was running a Highlander type event with, all of their warlocks with like a bunch of warlocks of the same patron with different packed weapons. And so if you're a warlock of this patron, you defeat another warlock of the same patron, you could actually get their packed weapon as well. And so it would be like the gates of Babylon from like fate zero or whatever fate stay night, where you could call forth any one of the packed weapons to fight with, and you would get whatever associated bonus that was associated with it. And Um, then you like randomly could just have it where like, like they can sense you know highlander style you go like where they can sense each other and then like you see this dude walk up to you with like a cloak or whatever green cloak haha callback but like <laughs> and he summons like a crazy weapon out of thin air and you're like oh shit i gotta fight this like right now i gotta do this shit right now or now you're wary about him like in a that's so sick i love that so i actually did one better because so they were in um they were in town uh, where the the bard is from, so they're at his flat, and basically they they don't really have enough um, spaces for everyone to bed, so she's sleeping in the tub, and so basically the person failed their watch, like they they were, they didn't nobody was was doing watch that night, so basically somebody woke up to the warlock being teleported to the middle of town via teleportation spell. And so, you know, the two warlocks are dueling it out in the middle of town. They can see the fireworks from, you know, across town where they're at. And they spend the first, like, seven or eight rounds of combat just, like, booking it to the center of town where they can see their friends fighting. Um, meanwhile, they're having this, like, you know, duel of the fates kind of thing going on. Um, That's fantastic. That's so cool. I so, love it. it. It was really, really fun. I would be so pissed if anyone fucking rolled their eyes because they're like, "That's like high." I hate that shit. Again, I really, I really, I can't, I can't feel that. I hate that shit so much. 
That's just like Highlander. So what? It's it's so cool. Listen to this shit. How so the thing is, is that they didn't actually know that at the time. Like, this is information I'm giving you guys as the DM, but my players didn't know this going into it. They just said that I wanted to play a Hexblade Warlock. I'm like, all right, cool. That means that you're going to find out stuff that you don't know about later, right? So he said, I want to play Hexblade Warlock, and you chose violence. I love it. <laughs> um... Yeah, so it, it was it was definitely wild, um, and it was cool for the player too because they got to kind of like that was their introduction to because um, they had been playing Warlock for some time, but that was their introduction to like the greater pl- like an aspect of the greater plan that oh there are going to be these other hex blades that I'll have to fight that are you know that like have their own tools and weaponry and such, and so the idea was that you know they'd have a bunch of different enchanted weapons that were effectively the same item binded to to them or whatever, but Instead, they could, you know, kind of call in these different abilities depending on what they needed. Was it broken? Yeah, for sure. I'm letting them attune, like, 17 different enchanted weapons at the end of the campaign. But, like, story-wise, it's really cool. And they would have had to have earned every single one of them. Like, even, like, you could, you could kind of, you can, you can end up, like, you could just make it, like, enchanted weapons not good. So you could do it again and be like, you know, again, it's just back to talking. Just be like, look, like, I'll let you do this thing again because it was really sick. But, you know, they're just, like, normal weapons or whatever, or you can change the shape of your weapon, so instead of slashing, it does bludgeoning, and it still kind of gives the same feel. But, yeah. Oh, that's so sick. Um, so fucking So, because I'm not going to get to do this, um, I did want to share the kind of the two beat story beats that I was going to use for that character. Because, um, again, that's how I kind of plan out my my stuff. So, story beat after they found out that was absorbing that, that warlock's weapon, which they did. So after that, I want them to meet um, another warlock who was of the same patron but did not want to participate in the game and instead would join the players for a period of time before going off on their own with the intention that um, it's, with the intention that later on they would fight another warlock that would spawn their friend's weapon instead, implying that <gasps> they had killed their friend. And I was like, oh man, this would be so cool. Oh, that would have been said like, he had like a flail or something. It's like a pink flail, so he like stands out. Exactly. The spooky guy, and he summon. Ooh, I like that a lot. Like way to make it personal, right? Yeah, like, and then that warlock's just like, no, only me. <laughs> I'm gonna kill this man. Yeah, For and a- then you get to absorb their weapon, and then you get your friend's weapon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's and then cool. you also you, it also adds another layer because then like yeah, even though he's cool and the, maybe the party likes it even if the warlock likes him that warlock has to make the choice of do I slit this dude's neck in the middle of the night for mm-hmm. his weapon do I still trust him he's gonna slit my throat like how do we play that up yeah and it, it makes it really interesting because it gives the players the option to like to try and do that. And, like, maybe it's a situation where it's, like, maybe the players do try to turn on him, and, like, they're not able to, like, finish the job, so that guy runs away. And I could still do the same thing later on, and there's still that implication that, like, the world is moving on outside of the periphery of the player's actions. Keeping the world moving is probably one of the funnest things ever. Um, Because I have a player, and he's a troll, and he always asks me, what if we don't do this quest? And I'm like, just don't do it, see what happens. (laughs) <laughs> and they had to stop this general, right? Like, it was like, it's similar to your story. Like, they had mm-hmm. to stop this general. And they were, they just, he was just like, I don't want to do it. No. And I was like, okay, don't do it. Don't. And the rest of the party's like, what, what's going to happen? I'm like, don't do it then. I'm not going to tell you if, if you don't do it. And 
for the next two or three towns they came through was completely overrun by the general. Like they were just destroyed. <laughs> and it's it hit sunk with them. They were sitting there, they were like, We should have stopped the general, and they got mad at the they got mad at the troll. And I was like, Don't be mad at the dude. Like, <laughs> no, be mad at him. Way. Like, be mad at him. Oh, that's good. That that reminds me of um, because like I think it's really important to make sure the players understand that they're like it's not a given, right? The world doesn't like ignore it if you have a thing set up. Or I think as a as a good DM, you should be mindful of those sorts of moments. So like um, you know, extended story time. I guess again, uh, my players were escorting a um a uh, member of the High Council of this Elven Nation from uh, a port city that they were in that they'd escaped to, um, to that councilman's home city. So they talk to the guildmaster there, they get a boat commissioned, they go on the boat. They're sailing the boat. They have a captain that they, you know, commissioned or whatever. Pirates attack. Okay, cool, no problem. Pirate attack you know, standard instance. As a DM and as a player, I think everybody understands that if the DM's putting you on a boat, there's probably going to be a fight on the boat. Um, <laughs> Nine times out of ten. Yeah. Well, boats are death, basically. Harpoons. We're going on a cruise. Like, it's a luxury cruise. Yeah, you got your harpoons, you got your tridents, you got your snorkel, you got everything. Like, but it's a cruise. No, I don't worry about it. Just make sure you have everything ready. Yeah. I think Why? No, only no, no, reason. Like, no reason. Just make sure that just your no. scuba tank is completely full. Just make sure. Yeah, so um, so the players burn down their own boat with a uh, poorly aimed uh, fire spell, so they get captured by the pirates, um, including the including the uh, councilman. So following session picks up, they're locked up down below. The rogue escapes his bindings, and a fight begins to break out. And the you know dread captain comes downstairs and you know basically points a pistol at the councilman. And is like, look, y'all are gonna get back to your binds until we get back to port or I'm going to shoot this guy. And so the rogue thought he'd be a tough shit walks over and he like disarms the guy's pistol like, haha. So he draws the other pistol and shoots him anyways. <laughs> because in the fight from the previous session, the guy had two pistols and the rogue forgot. That's fantastic. So this VIP that they were supposed to be escorting is now dead. <laughs> they end up killing the pirate, um, the pirate captain, and all but like two of the crew members because they needed people to crew the boat. Um, so, because <laughs> none of them can sail, and the previous captain went down with the ship. Um, oh yeah, that's how they killed the the pirate captain. They polymorphed one of them into an eagle, flew him up like three hundred feet, and dropped him onto the deck. So, you know. Those those victories always feel so sweet. How busted of a spell polymorph is, and like people always forget until it's used, and you're like, Jesus Christ! You just one shot the big bad, or like the boss of this encounter. You just one shot this thing, or oh, you turned into a fucking Tarask. That's great. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he stole their stuff too, so they really didn't like this guy. (laughs) Um, so anyways, they they killed this captain, but they now have the problem that they have this like very important political figure who's on the boat, but is also dead. And he was not supposed to be dead because they were supposed to be protecting him. So, um, Did weekend at Bernie's his ass. Uh, <laughs> kind of. So what they decided to do was the bard took a, uh, everybody leveled up. So the bard took a level, uh, took the spell like revive or whatever. 
so he could bring back the councilman, provided they could find the material components within the next 10 days. <laughs> so they sail to the nearest port, which eats up like three days of travel. So like, great, we got a week to like find a diamond. Hopefully there's a diamond in the port. There's not a diamond in the port. They hook up with some shrimp cultists um, who have a lead. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was from a cultists previous that... adventure. Cultists that like praise shrimp or shrimps that happen to be cultists? Shrimp Thulu. They, they praise shrimp Thulu. <laughs> um, um, and important to note, they actually knew that this cult gathering was going to happen because the previous time they were on a boat, there was a murder mystery that they had solved and one of these cultists was a red herring on that ship and then invited the players. So as it happens, the timeline worked out such that, oh, you know, we're in this town that this guy said to go to, and we know there's going to be a gathering here. So they hook up with the cultists, um, and they're like, okay, we, we don't have any diamonds, but we have a lead. Um, there's a statue that we need for one of our, you know, sacred rituals that we've tracked down to where we think is a dragon lair. So if you can get to the dragon's lair, you can get the statue for us. They probably have a diamond in the horde as well. You're more than welcome to take whatever you want. This was a bad idea. Um, yeah. <laughs> so they sneak into the city they sneak into the dragon's horde they they can't find a diamond but they find the statue take that go back they you know, escape the dragon um, with their lives luckily and the statue has two diamonds for eyes in it well they pry out the two eyes and they give the cultist the statue anyways um, and then use one of those diamonds to bring the councilman back um, so you know Basically, I just turned this whole, like, uh, this, like, incidental, like, you know, I'm going to try and disarm him into, like, this whole ass side quest where they're, like, you know, fighting a dragon and, like, sneaking through a, a dead city with, like, zombies all around and, you know, you know, ta- you know stopping shrimp cultists from, like, invading the material plane. And, uh, and the second diamond they just used to bring back the rogue who caused it the problems in the first place. Hell yeah. It was great. People, people don't realize that, like a lot of, especially if you fuck up, it opens so many branches. Quests aren't A B, because to get to B, there's usually an A one, A two, A three, or a or a B the prequel, and then you'll get to B. <laughs> C prime in between A and B. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just. And that's, oh, that's, that's it's just so much more interesting. Game. Like, just it's, letting the players do it. Fun. It's interesting. It's fun. People leave with stories. Like, look at this. this that's what, like, you, we filled in, like, a good 10 minutes of this podcast just with that shrimp, and it's, and it's entertaining. Like, oh, I love, <laughs> I, I love DMing. I love, especially when players fuck up. It's the best. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bunny <laughs> says, integral like, with B for me. Being like, oh. <laughs> How do we fix this? <laughs> they look at you and you're like, you're God here. You're like, yes, and I wasn't expecting you to do this. How do we fix this? I'm thinking shrimp cultist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I definitely wasn't expecting the councilman to go down. And also, too, I think the players were somewhat metagaming because they were figuring, like, what? The, the pistol can only do, like, what, like 14 damage or whatever? Not realizing that it was a cutscene, so of course it's lethal. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> so. Just be happy that <laughs> Resurrection wasn't a cutscene either, because that wouldn't have worked. <laughs> um, like, you can't do that. I can do whatever I'd want. 
I, I I'm love it. God. You live in my world. Exactly. Like in my world, this pits pistols during cutscenes are the most broken things in the world. Good thing only I control the cutscenes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I think that definitely like, took the player off guard. I love the one metagaming guy. It's usually a veteran, of course, but the one mm. metagaming guy like Where it was sir. Like, of course, like, werewolves aren't, they're only allergic to silver. I'm like, fuck you, bitch. My werewolves only don't like bone. That's why there's only, like, a bunch of, like, a little bit of them, because people figure that out, and bones are really easy to get. All you gotta do is cut your friend open. (laughs) Yeah, cut your friend, or eat a rotisserie chicken and throw the bones at him. Um, That's actually an idea that I I came across a while back. Um, The idea of, like, baking weaknesses into the campaign. So, like, you have players who, where they, like, find out they have to go kill something, but, like, they hear that, you know, it's weak to, like, like, you can disable its, like, temporary immunity or whatever by, like, burning sage or something nearby. <laughs> you might go and fight his ass, hell yeah. Yeah, kind of, right? But, like, what it, what you can do, it's like, oh, I need to go fight the, the, the Demogorgon or whatever, but in order to, you know, in order to get past its, you know, harm, its armored hide or whatever, I need to, like, get, you know, this special oil that only you know comes from this flower that grows in the side of a mountain and if i can coat my blade in it it'll you know be vulnerable to the damage or something and so you can really take um encounters that otherwise might not be all that interesting and really kind of make it a lot more memorable because the players will have to then engage in some sort of or will get rewarded for engaging in some prep work ahead of time Mm -hmm. it's like uh you know like the new legend of zelda game where you don't have to recruit the people but it helps (laughs) <laughs> you don't have to get that flower. It really helps. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I like and doing now, stuff like that. Nick is realizing how you have conditioned him to play. <laughs> to the DM people, we're letting it all out today. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I had to stop myself. I nearly spoiled some stuff for upcoming plot beats, but um. Do you guys ever fucking lie about roles? Oh yeah, all the no. time. All the fucking time, bro. I don't lie. I tell them that I decided I didn't want it to work. (laughs) (laughs) So I generally only lie about rules in one of two situations. One, the players are dying. um, And I need to make sure they don't die. Or two, it'll be more dramatic. Generally, that's it. Your role... You try Drama to keep the straightest face, it crit, and you reality you rolled like a three. And everyone's just like, ah! <laughs> Drama is the only thing that matters. Drama and comedy. Uh, yes. In, in this past session that I, I ran Sunday, um, the, play, the players were uh, at a temple that they were friendly with, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they split up. One of them stayed behind with the high priest to talk to him. And the other two went to look for one of their friends, a friendly NPC who uh, they had been separated from unexpectedly. So while those other two went to go look for this NPC, uh, one of them decides to start talking to the high priest, and there is an NPC traveling with them. And he was like, so how do you two know each other? Why don't you like each other? Because the... The two NPC, the NPC and the high priest don't like each other. And she's like, he's my ex. And then he goes, 
wait, didn't you say that you don't know her at all? How did that work? And I was like, David, roll initiative. <laughs> and he was like, what? And I was like, just roll initiative. And the other two players have no idea what's happening. They're having a conversation between themselves. <laughs> while David and I are talking across them. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, I need you two to leave the room. Because what's about to happen, you can't know about. Until, until it's relevant, you can't know. So they left the room. And I was like, all right, this, this guy has these stats. This is going to be this is gonna be interesting. And I gave him a homebrew spell that just, like, wipes your memory for a certain amount of time. And, like, David's character is, is very powerful, mechanically. So he wins the initiative. He gets the first attack. And uh, I was like, okay, okay. Let's see what happens. And he rolls 26 to hit. And his NPC's AC is 27. I was like, you know what? It hits because you're going to remember it more. Exactly. When it hits and he doesn't go down after you do 42 damage. And he was... And these characters are like level 4. Mm-hmm. And this, this NPC just doesn't go down. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, David, I'm going to just... We need to go further away so they definitely don't hear this next part. Oh, <laughs> no. And I took him aside and I was like, so... Uh, that didn't happen. None of that. As far as you're concerned, none of that was real. You didn't even you imagine. Yeah. <laughs> and he was mad for the whole rest of the session until <laughs> the end when he could do something about it. That's wonderful. <laughs> and like, I was like, this wasn't going to hit. But it's more interesting if it does. Maybe he does get this one shot and something more interesting happens. So bring it back to Will Smith. This was basically that scene from the Men in Black. <laughs> where you neuralize them. I hate you, but yes. <laughs> you neuralize the shit out of I was going to say Men in Black too. Will Smith, why are you here today? Why are we channeling you? It's <laughs> my secret. I channel him every time. Every time I sit down behind the DM screen. I channel Will Smith. Willy, Willy, Willy. There's nothing better than like Big Willy style. Player, and he's just like I swing and I do a fifty kabillion damage, and you go okay. Write down some numbers. The NPC smiles at you. <laughs> and then you go, oh no! You can see like the sweat start forming on their brow, and you're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like I like when I have players like that because I get to show them that they're not tough shit. Yeah. It's been so long since I've had one of those. Oh, you need to DM for Dustin more frequently. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't. So if I do, Dustin won't be my friend anymore. That's fair. So his previous character, Devian, whom they just rescued, walked into a into a a shack like it was basically like a a little um like a cottage or whatever in the middle of the forest. This forest, by the way, has been frozen over like ice. Like, you know, they, they call it the Alabaster Woods now. But like, it's his childhood home, right? It's like a cottage in the middle of the woods. And a hag lives there now. Okay. Hags are scary. Hags are super scary. 
So he walks in as a level, you know, five or whatever character he is. Oh, no. And and he walks up to the hag, and the hag's like, you know, what brings you here, sweetie? And he's like, get out of my house. <laughs> and draws his sword and lights it on fire. He's like, get out of my house now. And I was like, did you just walk into a hag's house and tell them to get out of your house? And I bet he said, no, I walked into my house and told her to get out. He actually said some vari- variants of that. He said, no, it's it's my house. What are you talking about? So I was like, okay. So two rounds later, he was kowtowing. He had he had dropped his weapon and his, was literally prostrating himself on the floor, begging for his life. Um, we could be roomies. We could be roomies. <laughs> it wasn't exactly like, please don't kill me, but like it basically was because the other players in the party did not want to get involved, so they stood outside. <laughs> Just give her the house. No, it's mine. <laughs> well, the. Honestly, like they saw, they saw the hag through the window with like its creepy, like sunken, like pits of hell eyes or whatever, and the door opened on its own. And I remember Nick was like, "You know what? I don't want any of that. That's okay." (laughs) (laughs) I can still count my levels on one hand. I ain't fucking with that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not about to walk into the creepy ice witch in the creepy ice witch's house. Like, that's cool. You know, you can go do that. Not anymore, it isn't. (laughs) It was your house. That hag has a real good real estate agent. Unfortunately, you do not. Bye-bye. Yeah. Um, There was a really fun uh, character moment later on, though. um, Because as it turns out, uh, you know, when she got there, there was a body in the the basement. And so the body was uh, the cleric's mother that she had just left there. So it was like, oh, you know, you must be talking about the, the, the skeleton I found at the bottom of the stairs here you know, walks him over or whatever. It's like, oh. Like, up until that point, he thought his mother was alive somewhere. So it, it was really quite sad. But boy, I really enjoyed it. You know, making him have to, have to you know, drop his weapon and apologize to this creature. <laughs> because he was not ready. Oh my god. That also sounds like, sidetracking a little bit, in Curse of Strahd, at level 4, if you take the wrong mission, because it gives you like a mission select thing when you go to one of the towns if you take the wrong mission you go to a place with two hags and like 4d6 geists or geese what are they called ghouls oh no you just yeah you just go there i nearly killed my level 13 characters with a bunch of ghouls (laughs) yeah exactly like and you get 4d6 ghouls and two hags and i'm like why you're level four (laughs) not for long gonna be rolling the characters (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're level four not for long <laughs> they were level four <laughs> now they're level dead <laughs> like jesus christ i literally oh, nearly God. killed half my party with a but with like six ghouls or whatever it was, it was like six like ghasts 40. i think like it's like 46 or some shit i'm like bro what the fuck is this <laughs> it was one of those moments Why? It was one of those moments where, like, you realize that, like, an offhand remark you made about, like, a quality of the arena suddenly became an important, like, hazard. Because I was like, oh, the, there's, like, three feet of water. There's, like, you know, a foot and a half of water here. I was like, didn't think anything about it. And then, you know, ghasts can paralyze you on hit. And I was like, oh. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to roll a, roll a D percentage, see if you landed in the water face up or face down. Ooh, Doesn't matter. Foot and a half means that you're definitely underwater regardless. 
So the bard nearly drowned. Because um, you can't like you can't maneuver yourself to float. You just kind of sink. Yep. Oh, no. You're wearing armor. Like you you don't have a whole lot of options if you can't move and you're wearing armor. The barbarian had to spend the rest of its like turns basically holding the 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 bard above water until the bard was able to make the wisdom save, which took I I shit you not thirteen rounds before he made the save. Yeah. And it's not like he's got a bad wisdom save. He just rolled like a one and then a two and then a one and then a four and then a three. He definitely rolled under a six for every single roll up until like round 13. It was really, he bless his heart. He was a trooper about it, but, uh, but like that fight went from like, (laughs) you have to like fight yourself and be like, this is like the longer it goes, the funnier it gets. But also, I feel so bad. I'm like, bro, just take the save. It's the, been eight rounds. Just take it. Just it's, it's fine, dude. The fight went from like. It's okay though, because we have all all four of us have now had a, an encounter where we just could not play <laughs> in this dungeon. Same dungeon. Oh it's true. It's true. Honestly, like, it took an encounter that was very nearly, like, not even remotely dangerous and turned it into a near-party wipe for, like, half the party. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. two, two of us were on the other side of a door trying to solve a puzzle, and we weren't going to drown. There were no enemies on our side. We were fine. Straight up, you were going to, like, finish the puzzle, open the door, and just see, like, three dead party members. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, at that point, I just stopped. Dungeon's over. Chris goes home. Yeah, we're, we're done here, dude. I don't know if we need diamonds, just, though. Just, Arnon, we're, we're out. <laughs> the best part is that Arnon doesn't even need you to leave. <laughs> I know. It's like, you know but what, you man? You know what? If Ollie's dead, I don't need him to leave either. <laughs> Anyways, um, not to not to be too self-indulgent. But... Going to have water is not scary until you see a fucking villager with a toaster, bro. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like sometimes just recontextualizing um, goes a really long way. Um, I guess one thing that we could ask you about, because I know that like Marvin and I have talked about it quite a bit, but like, what do you do to like spice up encounters? Oh, well, it depends on like who am I with. If I'm with like babies, I'll either give them an out. I always give them an out, especially if I'm with babies or if I'm with like a party that doesn't like combat. Like, a lot of my campaigns, I'll literally be like, there's the combat route, there's the talking route, and there's the money route. <laughs> and they can all work. But So give them an out definitely is always the one. Like, yeah, you could fight the villager with the toaster that's, you know, you have to beeline to before he drops it in the water. Or you could throw money at him and see if it works. Or if you talk to his mother, maybe he'll call him on the orb and be like, you stop electrocuting those adventurers and let them in the dungeon. Like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no cheddar biscuits for you yeah exactly exactly or like if you know it's, it's all depending like if i get like again like the mid maxed read the monster manual forward and back dude cool werewolves now only allergic to bone guess you're gonna have to lose a finger to get this to work huh smile so do you do you do anything as far as like spicing up like the style of the like arena? Uh, do most of your fights just take place in a featureless plane? Like, it it yeah it depends. Um, most of the time, 
you know, people don't have long attention spans anymore, bro. Especially with newbies. Um, like, I have to, you have to ban phones. Because, you know, people, especially nowadays, if they're new, they're uncomfortable. Like, not that they're not interested, but mm-hmm. when you're uncomfortable, you reach for your phone. It's comfort. It's screen. I feel safe here. Um, like, you know, because most newbies are nervous. So, and again, most of the parties I'm with don't like combat. So I'm like, you're in an arena. Like, it's there's blood on the ground. Let's just do this to get this over with. Because I know you guys hate it. I'm sorry. Like, you guys didn't do route B or C that gets you out of this, so we're just going to do it. And then again, like, of course, if, like, it's people who love combat, very rare in my groups from what I've run into, but they do happen. There are people who love that. Yeah, like, I'll go into, like, oh, there's, like, stakes that you can do, like, a renight. Like, you can, like, basically bring, like, some of the low-level creatures to, like, stakes or something, and then you can fatality them or whatever. There's buzzsaw, there's traps that you can use to your advantage if you do succeed a grapple check to, like, the goblin. And then, of course, we do all the drapery and all the shit where you're like, oh, and then we're gonna add fucking levers for more traps, or we're gonna really describe the shit out of this place. But honestly, nine times out of ten, people just don't really care that much. They just want to do the thing. Like, I don't know if you guys run into that, because I think you guys play with more veterans, right? Not really. I mean, like, my current party is is 50% people who, this is their first campaign. Yeah? Like, like I, I don't know, that's usually for me, like, I play with, like, a bunch of Zoomers or, like, people who are hocked up on fucking video games and shit, so they just want, give thing now, and we'll explain it later. Of course, if it's, like, a key component place, I'll, like, go really into detail with it and go real ham on it, mm-hmm. but most of the time, nah. Like, they just want to know it's an arena, and I'm like, cool. Let's just keep it trucking along then. Yeah, I mean, I do most of my campaigns on Roll Twenty nowadays, so it's um, it's a little bit different because like, you can kind of illustrate the the like battle arena a little bit more. You kind of have to in order to make it work. So I will say that that's a thing. Um, mm-hmm. but for me, it's like um, I don't know. I, I I try to avoid the combat encounters feeling just like another featureless plane. I I like combat in the game. I enjoy trying to like make it interesting. So I often look for ways to kind of spice it up, um, you know, one way or another. And sometimes that's just like hazards. Uh, sometimes that's like you know, adding like multiple layers to the encounter. You know, things like that. Um, I just did a thing. I just mm-hmm. did a thing that uh, I had never thought of before. But I really liked how it played out. I didn't tell them they were in a combat encounter. Okay. And then combat happened one action at a time from the first person who decided to do something. Hell yeah. Hmm. That was really interesting. You just completely ignored initiative, and you're like, yep, you move first, so you're there. That's your turn. Oh, then he moved. You decided to act first. And then the next person who decided to do something... They acted next. I can see how that could be um that could be really like interesting. It, it definitely doesn't work every time, but like they were it was it was like a stealth thing a stealth sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh they were trying to break into a place and they had to kill a guy. Well they didn't know they had to kill the guy, but they had to kill the guy. Um so one of them just he's like, I marked him earlier. I know where he is, and I was like, cool. He's like, I run. I go right there. 
and the next person's like, I follow him, and the next person's like, I follow them. And uh, first person goes, okay, I, I kick open the door, and I shoot him. And I was like, cool. Who, who, who acted next? You? <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> they probably were just like, oh. Like clutching a little D twenty, like oh, what is it was it? great. The I word. It was great. I don't know what I do. Like, well, I guess you're gonna <laughs> skip your turn then. I guess. Yeah, like all right, cool. Next guy, <laughs> your dude stalled. Let's go. Yeah. Um, it, it's huh? definitely not something you can do every time, but for like short little things like that, I think that was a really interesting combat encounter. That uh, running it that way is not something I ever thought of before. I guess kind of more like theater of the mind in a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, even with Roll20, it's still theater of the mind. You don't actually see your character like do a backflip into like pole dancing on like a spear and then kicking off a dude's head. Yeah, I mean, in that respect. But I think that, you know, when you turn combat into more abstract than like even the grid system or the hex system would, would lead you to believe, that can can do some interesting stuff like i'm not totally opposed to theater of the mind but i think that it's um it definitely has its place and i think that you know um stealth or like one-off situations that like might call for combat adjacent abilities but don't necessarily require a full map to be drawn i think are definitely Mm -hmm. things where you could do that can you imagine if you kept trying to do that and people like no i went first no i did it no me 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 and everyone's just like talking over each other no 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 Well, I think well, I you're mean, like, well, the initiative well, system is designed so that that doesn't happen. Yeah, I know. That's what, like it'll like devolve back to normal, and you're like, you guys ruined the fun. <laughs> <laughs> See what you all did? You ruined it. I was having fun, and now I'm gonna have to kill all of you. <laughs> it's ruined. Whole campaign is ruined. They're like, <laughs> like, wait. I think you just mentioned something that was really important. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so, um, so Andre, I have to know then, so do you have any, like, particular fights that stand out as, like, pretty memorable? And if you do, what do you think made them memorable for you? Actually, so, I, for the few times where combat actually happened, and they, it is memorable, like every time almost because there's always something weird happens like because again i gave you like the three outs or whatever so it's really interesting to see the people who are just like combat no yes and they go and attack and then you still have the, the third and fourth person being like throwing money or trying to figure out like trying to talk to the guy who's being attacked and be like so what do you want <laughs> i'd quite like your friends to stop stabbing me <laughs> all right cool but what do you, like maybe we can work something out <laughs> <laughs> like one of the ones that just happened that I fucking I just, it's just so dumb. So in in Strat again, uh, if they go to this cupboard, it's full of like food, um, and if you get too close to the food, a boom attack. But the cupboard is very small, and my players were panicking and rolling that, so the paladin went first and was. Trying to fight this broom in a very, very small closet, like broom closet. It was only, it was only like ten feet, right? Ten feet down, and there's no left or right. Mm-hmm. And she wouldn't get out of the way of the. Everyone else is a caster, and she wouldn't get out of the way. 
So the pastor kept crit failing and nailing her in the back with spells. Oh no. And then she kept missing the broom because the broom has a ridiculously high HP because it's a flying broom. I mean, AC. So she kept missing it. And this broom kept beating the shit out of her. And this broom encounter that was supposed to be like literally like the broom appears, you guys back up, the broom enters your range of fighting, everyone gets a shot at it, and then that's it. The broom almost KO'd the entire party by itself. <laughs> I think we just found the new big bad evil guy. <laughs> and then for the rest of that, because it was the murder house, for the rest of that, whenever I was just, they were like, I enter the, like, I open the door, but I see him, like, it's a closet, and they go, Is there a broom? <laughs> <laughs> you know what you should do? Since you, you already decided on uh, changing how this campaign is going to go from the, the module, you should make the big bad evil guy uh, the wizard from Fantasia with the brooms. Hell yeah. Oh no. <laughs> I'll just make Strahd, like, you can just do it with Strahd, you can just be like, so, I was peering into the void when you first came to my land, and, well, you seem to have trouble with this. And he snaps his fingers, and all the brooms in his castle start marching, and they're like, oh, no. <laughs> it's like some drawn-out nightmare sequence. <laughs> like the movie Fantasia. Like the movie Fantasia. That one stuck out to me, because that's just, it was so fucking funny, bro. Holy shit. Another one that really stuck to me for a while. Um, Marvin, do you remember the campaign with Grandpa? Yes. Yes, I do. Do you remember the finale? No, not even a little bit. So in the finale, um, one player got possessed and became the big bad arch demon. Oh, yeah. It and wasn't me. Yeah, I was disappointed. <laughs> well, and don't worry. We got your possession on. This is <laughs> And then everyone else also became possessed by, like, some sort of god or whatever. Mm -hmm. And there was still initiative, but I was just like, you have the power of a reality-bending archdemon. What do you want to do to the other players? Oh, no. I think it was Alan who was the archdemon. You gave him the infinity and, gauntlet. Yeah, but everyone had it, so it was fair. Yeah, there, there were, like four infinity gauntlets and alan just had the evil one yeah that's great alan was stronger because he was alone but he said i was like what do you want to do and he's like well what are my attacks i'm like what do you want to do and it turned into this crazy fucking anime fight where alan would be like oh i'm gonna like pull a sun out of my pocket and throw it at them I'm like cool marvin how do you counter and then they'll do whatever, and it was just this crazy thing, and we would, like, I would be like, how does 10d100 sound for damage? And they would nod their head, yes or no, and we would be like, okay, cool, and we would roll, and I'm like, cool, and everyone had, a, like, a health pool of, like, a thousand, and Alan had, like, three or four thousand because he was alone, and whoever won, won, and then that would decide the ending of the campaign. See, that sounds really awesome, um, <laughs> where you get to, like, encourage the players to think out of the box because i think that sometimes player characters kind of fall into a rut of only thinking to do the things that are on their character sheet as actions that they can do mm -hmm. um so i think that's a really 
really interesting way to kind of encourage them to like, you know, what do you want to do? It's like, because if I was in Alan's position, the first thing that popped to my mind is I want to turn their legs into jelly beans. I like that. Perfect. So, boom. So, yeah, we would just be like that. I'm like, all right, Owen, you turn Marvin's legs into jelly beans. Marvin, you also have a mini Infinity Gauntlet. How do you counter? It's like, uh... I make jelly beans indestructible. Really? <laughs> so now he's just like a like a sea of skittering rocks, basically. Deliciously scented and <laughs> indestructible rocks. And now he's kicking you with like millions of little jelly beans or some crazy stupid shit. All right, I'll make them all spinach flavor. Yeah. Oh, you this account to Marvin, but no one will enjoy your beans. <laughs> I don't like that phrasing. Uh, but I mean, like that's what I mean. Like, you really want your players to like think out of the box, and I think that um, I, I feel like people who play martial classes are maybe a little bit more prone to like only doing the thing that's on the tin. Um, but you know, probably any class can uh, can fall into that. But I. I I, I wish that, like, I could encourage my player characters to be a little bit more creative with their, like, spell use and their action use instead of just having it boil down to I do a sneak attack or, you know, I do an action surge and, you know, quadruple attack or whatever it is. Like, you know, because we're all gamers here. Like, may maybe not video gamers, even though I'm pretty sure everyone here fucking plays video games, but, like, tabletop gamers. And, game like, the thing with the gamer mentality is just, like, it's so hard not to be optimal, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and then that's where it falls in but like sometimes you get a beacon of light and of course it's up to us as dms to encourage it but not too much because then it takes too long but like i have a player in my current campaign her name is squid and it's her first session and i told her i'm like cool just read you know read combat so one thing i want you to do read combat i'll send you the link to a combat for the book uh you don't even have to read the whole thing just you know how to attack and shit and read like what your class can do and she went okay and she came session one and didn't do that. So she didn't like, she. I knew she was trying to be sneaky. Her name's Squid, by the way. She's a real sweetheart. Um, <clears throat> I knew that she was trying to be sneaky and, or she thought I would be mad that she didn't read it instead of, you know, just guiding her on how to do it. So it, for the first couple sessions, every time a combat happened, it was never, I pull out my bow. It was like, what do I have in my bag? And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, do I have alcohol in my bag? I'm like, you could have beer. She goes, okay, what do I have to do to throw the beer at the goblin and then light it on fire? What would that do? And I'm just staring at her and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> what do we do so you can do that? <laughs> That's beautiful. And it wasn't until like session three or four where she's like, I'm going to be honest. I still haven't read combat. And then we taught her how to do it. But she, every once in a while, she'll be like, okay, so if I dump my arrow into the beer and let it on fire, how much damage can I do to this broom? <laughs> and the answer, of course, is always, let's find out. <laughs> yeah, like, be right there with you, bud. <laughs> Several D10s. <laughs> Some number of them, right? Um, that sounds awesome. And, and honestly, for that reason, I almost would sometimes prefer the players not to go through the rules too you know too much with the fine tooth comb for fear of like limiting that that like kind of expression or you know choice or whatever it is yeah that's the word i'm looking for um i haven't heard that word in a long time what was it again creativity <laughs> well you know green is not a creative color and you play prosh feels weird on the tongue 
It feels way spicy. <laughs> oh, it's cereal. <laughs> He's like, bro, that's mean. I just heard what you said. <laughs> it would that go good two with of those. Three colors was creative, so whatever. <laughs> this spicy right. cereal goes well with whiskey. <laughs> with the whiskey. <laughs> um. The more I eat my cereal, the tastier it gets. <laughs> I think I lost him. I think he's gone. I feel like this is just a uh, like creating the cuisine, the local cuisine of the next town that they go to. Where like they're just really into like soaking wheat in whiskey and like eating that as a slurry, almost like an oatmeal. Yeah, until someone goes up to like one of the players is like, "You can use milk. We can use what? You can use milk. Our children no longer have to be intoxicated. No, Bartha, Bartha, come here. I'm not kidding. This that actually is a that's a plot point from a show I watched. Is it really? Yeah, um, I think it's ascendancy of a bookworm or whatever. Like, it's a, it's your you know your stock isekai or whatever. But like, she becomes OP because she get this. She doesn't throw away the stock when she's done cooking with it. <laughs> they're like, wow! In this world, they just throw away the throw away the liquid when they're done boiling all the vegetables. I'm just gonna keep it. And then everyone's like, why does your food taste so good? You're like four. So, um... That's really insane. It's so funny. It's so dumb. Have you guys not heard of Snoop? What? <laughs> your gruel tastes like gruel. Why is your gruel so good? Um, I think it's it's stuff like that, though, that really kind of, like, brightens up the towns that the players are in. Like, just adding, like, weird idiosyncrasies like that. Um like, you know, random holidays, things like that, help, again, kind of make the world feel a little bit more lived in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you gotta love a festival. Festivals are the best, especially if they're fucking weird. Like, you stumble upon Cow Day, where everyone dresses up as cows. And then people who aren't the cow, people who aren't dressed up as cows are the shepherds. Guess who walked into town not dressed as a cow? <laughs> and they're like, oh, I hate podunk towns. <laughs> yeah, but just like making up random stuff like that can go a really long way towards like fleshing out a town, you know, because it starts, you start to ask some questions, like some real basic mm -hmm. ones. Like I think um, I was playing in, or I was DMing my current player group like way early campaign, like level one, level two or whatever. And like, for whatever reason, I said, oh, you found a fishmonger. It only then occurred to me shortly afterwards that this is a mountain town. So where did they get fresh fish? <laughs> so of course the question comes up, like, is there like a lake near? No. It's like 80 miles from the nearest coastline on the other side of a mountain range. How do you have fresh fish here? Because you don't look magic, so where'd you get it from? Like, ah, oh, shit. Um, so I like said like oh i get it now here's what they must have to do they clearly have the fish fish you know the morning whatever they literally have it transported on like multiple horses that are like sitting and ready to just like run it from point a to point b <laughs> like this whole elaborate like 
you know, a logistics chain of how this fish salesman, this fishmonger, can provide fresh fish. <laughs> Stuff that I wouldn't normally spend time thinking about, but, like, you know, it's a thing I said happened. Like, they bought fish, so, like, clearly they got them somehow. <laughs> You just like realized Monger's rich as fuck and he's the only fish dispensary in miles. <laughs> it's like the movie Aladdin where there's fresh fish in a desert city. Oh my god, I don't even want to like... <laughs> this is before they find the genie, mind you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness me. So I know that we're... we're um... We still got a little bit of time left, but I did want to um, just kind of ask you guys before um, before end. Obviously, as DMs, we always cook up plot lines that kind of end up falling flat. Um, what are some of the more humorous missed plot lines that you can think of from your player games, either that you as a player played in or that you DM'd and your players just missed it entirely? Uh, humorous as in the plot line was funny, or humorous as in it's funny that it was not experienced? Funny, well, I guess either or, but I was thinking more like funny that it was missed at all. Like, this felt so obvious to, to go and try and do that it's somewhat hilarious that it was missed or ignored or whatever. Oh, I got one. I got a couple, go actually. So, uh, I was actually playing with Crispy, uh, Robert, and Gabby. And we were playing, you know... So normally when I do a like a D and D again, most like ninety five percent improv. So I literally go, "Hey, give me a setting you guys want, and they'll give me whatever setting, and I'll reskin accordingly." Um, and then we go from there. So we ended up generating this town where there's like a it, everything's run by a guild. Um, the guild basically seeps its way into like small podunk towns, and it gentrifies everything, which is good and bad. Good because you know. There's money in the town now. Everything's nicer. It's bad because it ends up pulling, like pushing out most of the population outward, right? So mm-hmm. we generated this together. So the whole thing is that they are working for the guild. At first, for the guild, they, you have to do missions to be initiated into ranking. But before that, like your missions give you like no money. Um, they were also <laughs> we generated that. Uh, they were because they were all of them were like monster races. But in the Podog town, there were only humans, so I'm like, how are we going to do this? And we ended up settling on, it's a, uh, like, an, not an AA meeting, but it's a support group for lost monsters. <laughs> I'm so into it. They, like, they meet up as a support group of lost monsters, and for the support group to get funding for, like, their snacks and stuff, and the group itself, they have to do the low-ranking missions for the guild. Which and then eventually it's like it's you know it's like a pyramid scheme. If you like work hard enough and in, like induct and more people, then you get a normal guild membership. But because they're seen as second class citizens, they have to do double the work to get half the distance. <laughs> so they're doing missions and they did three missions back to back to back because I let them out. I'm like, you can go do this thing with mermaids. You can go help this rich lady, or you can do I forgot the third one. Like go go to the spook house. Go to the spooky house. And they all, like, it was like a house that was haunted, and then they were going to have to fight a ghost. Uh, and they all ended up, they did all of them. They went to the mermaids, they did the mission, they went to the spook house, they did the mission, and they went to the rich lady and did her mission, and they never went back to the guild to turn it in. 
<laughs> they just did it as a pro bono case. They literally did it, and they were like, "They did it." The, the they did the mermaid thing, and they were like, "Cool, we'll let the guild know." And they're like, "Sweet," and they never fucking returned. They did it to the rich lady, and the rich lady was like, "Thank you, I'll let the guild know." And they never returned. <laughs> so unfortunately, they 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 just left. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Most players are motivated by the reward. (laughs) (laughs) The rich lady thing, her mission got more complicated. um, So she already sent into the guild that they were like, cool, your job's done. But it led to part 1A of that mission. And I was like, cool, they're going to return to the guild now because they're out of normal, like, guild missions. And then they'll go back to her and do mission 1A. And they just kept going with mission 1A. And it led to this entire heist. And then that was it. Like, the... We had to stop meeting after that, after like six sessions. <laughs> they, that was it. Like, they never did it, dude. They never got the reward. That's wonderful. <laughs> uh, uh, so, I have one that my story is significantly shorter. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's just funny for me that this mission got missed or this quest got missed, I guess. So, um, I was running a campaign a few years ago for almost all new players and um the world that they were playing in was kind of like skyrim in that you know you would just see dragons flying around sometimes randomly and uh you know if you did the wrong things they would attack you right Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so these characters are like level three i think and one of the first things they do is they meet this dragon disguised as an old lady um, in a town. And, like, people are scared of this old lady. They don't know why this old lady is so terrifying. Blah, blah, blah. Old lady turns out to be a dragon. <laughs> oh, old. <laughs> <laughs> old people or other creatures confirmed. Yeah. Old, old women are secret dragon uh, wizards. Um, and, like... There was like this this they they find out the lady is a dragon, they talk to the lady, they figure out why this lady is doing these spooky things. And she was like, I need you to go to this place and find this other dragon. Right? I'm like, cool, dragons, whatever. They go and they they just totally ignore the other dragon. Entirely. They go to the place and they don't look for the other dragon. They go do other things. What? And I'm like, why? Why did we come here? <laughs> to do other things. That's why we came here in the first place, remember, silly? Uh-huh. No dragons wow. here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, that's that's uh, definitely a missed plot, I would say. <laughs> definitely a big one. Um. Also, my current players may or may not have missed out on a demon invasion. It's just a whole demon invasion that's supposed to end the world. Hell yeah. You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> so that leads into the story that I was going to share. Um, Is it a demon invasion that's supposed to end the world? Yeah, yeah, actually. Um, <laughs> I'm only spoiling it because at this point it's too late to do anything about it. Um, sure. So when the players first started, there's um, they're in this capital city called Sequester. And the central feature is there's this large tower that is in the center of town that is basically like the size of a space elevator. Like, straight up, like, you can't see the top of it. That's how tall it is. 
Um, okay. Like, regardless of how far away you are. Like, I think they only stopped seeing it in the horizon once they got to the other hemisphere. I'm going to pause you real quick. Nick put in your chat, someday we'll go check out the giant tower. No, you won't. <laughs> no, you won't. I can say that with a conviction now. So... The first, like, several missions that they have are in and around this town following up um, on a, um, basically, like, an insurgency group that exists, like a terrorist group or whatever. Um, I know he's really disappointed now. You missed your chance, Nick. That was two and a half years ago, right? Um, so, <laughs> they've had a whole ass campaign since this, mind you. Um, so... That's still going. Um, so there's this terrorist group that they were working with that um, their informant was kidnapped or whatever. Well, they were working with terrorists. Um, that makes them terrorists. <laughs> well, it was it was under duress. It wasn't really a choice. Um, okay. So, so anyways, um, they go through, they break into the hidden prison camp that's like underneath the city, right? They find the guy that was a kidnap. They find out that um, in that investigation or whatever, that apparently government officials have been forcing prisoners to sign their souls over to demons. Excuse me. Yeah. Like, like straight up, like there's like blood seals on documents. They actually, Ollie still had that document up until it was dropped at the dragon lair when they had to go get the diamond to revive the guy. Right. But they had like a blood contract at one point um, as evidence. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I take it back. Arnon still has it in his bag. He's the one who has it. So straight up, you know, someone sold their soul, and apparently it was under duress, but whatever. Um, so at that point, Dustin, or the cleric, joins the group, and it's like, hey, I want to go find my mom. And so they left. <laughs> Holy shit. And they went to go find Devian's mom, who, as was mentioned, was dead in the basement of a hag's village hut whatever um so yeah this document spooky and all and yeah i know that that dude that we saw was freaking out but like i miss my mommy dude strip new player joined the group and was like hey we're you know can we go uh find my mom uh, i have a lead okay cool where's the lead gonna take you we have to travel to another continent on the other side of the world Yo, straight up, I would have been like, okay, hold up. We got this demon thing happening right here. Uh, can we, like, put pump the brakes on your mom for a minute? Nope. <laughs> it took them, like, six months in real life to travel to finally get to the other place. That's fucking sick. That's so sick. What happened to that? I hope that like, they would ever, like, in the future, if it ever comes back to it, they find the person that was in duress and he's, like, a demon now. Like, a demon CEO or something. They're like, remember me? Remember you were supposed to help me? Give me that contract. You get nothing now. <laughs> Someone didn't read the terms of service. <laughs> Guess who doesn't have toes anymore? You. <laughs> All right, no, 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 Toe Thompson. Let's uh, let's hand him over. Okay, Nick, that's, that's your fault for listening to Dustin. Guys, wait, can we take a minute? Dustin was like, nah. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean. Don't listen to Dustin. When do I listen to Dustin? How much have we gotten done since I joined the party? All of it. <laughs> All of it. That demon shit would have been handled. 
honestly, like, yeah, probably. Or at the very least, all of our characters would have died and it wouldn't be our problem anymore. Or would it? No. <laughs> Enslaved souls or whatever. Um. So yeah, that was a big misplot. I had to literally scrap the entire like original storyline I had for the campaign um, because they decided to go do something else. That's fucking sick. I love this. I've repurposed it since. Um, I have one more that I just remembered. I don't know if it's funny. I mean, I think it's funny. That's all that counts. Okay. Uh, so, I'm not going to say who was involved. Um, but I was playing D&D with a couple of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole story came out to be the thing that we rolled was basically uh, pseudo-modern, pseudo-medieval. So I think onward, but more medieval than modern. Where mm-hmm. onward, you know, that Disney movie is more modern than medieval. Right. Um, and the players go to this bar. And the bar is run by a vampire clan. Um, but they don't know that yet. What they stumble upon is the guard who is a paladin that's a freshly awoken vampire. And her whole thing was that she's struggling to, you know, because she's so righteous. And this is 3.5, by the way, but like she's so righteous and doing whatever. And she actually still has her paladin powers by the way she feeds. She normally feeds on rats and all that shit. So she doesn't break her code. She doesn't steal. She's very pious. She's very honorable. She's a quote-unquote um, vegetarian vampire. Yeah, like that. I mean, she's she Brad Pitt. People, very last resort, and she asks for donations, basically. She'll be like, yo, like, can I get a sip? Or she'll go to a blood bank and be like, it's me again. And then they'll do missions or whatever, whatever. But her whole thing was that she was... Um, every time she used her, her paladin power, she would cough up blood because it would, like sear her because she was a vampire she was like filth she was unclean mm-hmm. and uh again not saying who uh person immediately asked if they were lesbian <laughs> and I, I literally had like this whole plot line thing and I, and I rolled and i was like let's see if they're lesbian cool hold the percentage i'm like high or low she goes high I'm like cool 51 you win that's high she is in fact a lesbian and you know we have to role play so i am this woman and this person does not cease to relentlessly hit on me because of how they pictured the person in their head where I literally had to kill the character off who was the MacGuffin character because we could not proceed forward and the mission never got done. <laughs> so what you're saying is you had to kill the plot because of horny? Yes! <laughs> and this is, this is boomer time because we're talking about 3.5 because there was no horny jail then. <laughs> you just had to roll with it. <laughs> yeah. It's just how it used to be, right? It's the wild, wild west. <laughs> Get it? We're bringing it all back to the original Will Smith topic. I hate all of this. And this brings <laughs> me back to that story that I couldn't tell. Go for it. Woo! Are you telling Take it now? Check. <laughs> oh, yes! yes! I'm, not, I'm still not telling the story, but that's I the punchline. The book of erotic fantasy! I knew it! That, that's the punchline. <laughs> this reminds me of the campaign I played where where uh, KGB Bunny made a whole dwarven civilization that had a week long orgy. That was like their their big holiday. That's fantastic. Where everybody strapped on belts of gender bending and just went to town. 
combustible jello. That's the kind of campaign. Uh, well, gender bending. Oh yeah. Gender bending is the greatest magical item I have ever seen. Honestly, really cool item. Not gonna lie. <laughs> I'd be a woman. I'd be like, huh, what is that? Oh, well, it's that fitting. <laughs> it was really cool until our uh, until the resident asshole player assassinated the queen and took their place. Because, of course, they couldn't have a good thing, right? Couldn't just go with, like, the jokey, cool Dwarven Empire thing. Have to, you know, usurp the royalty and try and steal their place and then throw a bitch fit when they get found out. <laughs> uh, isn't that just what player characters do? Like, every time? Not, How not do I good make ones. this about me, not about us? We're not talking about me yet. <laughs> Again, time to kill the queen. I'm not participating in the orgy. Why am I not royalty? <laughs> that line of logic doesn't even make sense. <laughs> Welcome to Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, this is terrible. This I'm Johnny Knoxville. Welcome to D and D. Oh, Lord of Mercy, Lord of Mercy, and all of us. Come with me. Nobody wins the milk challenge. <laughs> Nobody wins the dairy challenge. Um. I hate all of this. I love all of those. What a weird, wonderful, horrible, horrific, amazing, beautiful thing D&D is. Yeah, it's awful. And great. It's the best and worst thing that has ever happened to me. Hell yeah. Definitely up there for sure. Definitely up there. Alright, uh, any parting, uh, parting words before we sign off for the day? Can I plug my Twitch like the yeah. arrogant asshole that I am? Yeah, go for it. Thank you. Mondays and Thursdays, 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. What is your Twitch that they can uh, they can actually go to your channel? Getting there. F-A-T-G-U-E-R-O. Fat Weero. That's your boy. Come watch me after this beautiful podcast on Thursdays. Ew. Um, <laughs> I'll put the link in the description for the YouTube vid. Um, oh, can you also put my podcast on there too? Yeah, the absolutely. Podcast? You like art? You thought I was funny today? Watch me comment on people drawing, and I have no artistic skills, so like, it's really I'm just I'm just throwing shit at the wall. <laughs> I mean, just like, 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 that's great. Exactly. So like, literally, the whole concept is that I don't know nothing of art. But I'm friends with the guy who actually runs the podcast, and that's my job, is that I'm his friend. <laughs> I really appreciate that you've chosen, you know, podcasts, which are probably the worst medium to uh, communicate about a visual media, such as artwork. Oh, oh um, I know. It's not, it's not even like, so <laughs> normally, it's like YouTube-based. And then I was like, do you want to put this on Spotify? And he's like, sure, fuck it, why not? It's free. <laughs> <laughs> But it's mostly uh, YouTube-based. I'll send you the YouTube link. Yeah, send me the link. I'll, I'll put it in the description for the YouTube vid uh, when I post it. Uh, well, Andre, I'm really glad you had a, a night off from your day job so that we could have you on the show today. Because uh, you are one of my more entertaining friends who has, you know, DM'd ever. <laughs> oh, thank you, big. Is that two compliments from Marvin? I think that's double your quota, my friend. That's Double. it for the year for you, sir. 
double. The quota is zero. <laughs> Setting the expectations nice and low. I can really appreciate that. Uh, I am. Thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. No, of course. You've been absolutely great. Um, so, uh, Marvin, I think you have a stream on Friday. Is that right? Uh, I do indeed. Uh, I stream on my Twitch channel, Wednesdays and Fridays. And if I'm really bored on other days, uh, mostly I play Among Us, but that's going to change soon, I think. Uh, I have I have other things I can play that I've been meaning to start. Uh, but, you know, find me at twitch.tv forward slash taiogetsu. You know, if you're on my stream, you already know where to find me. And, and... Uh, you can watch my replays on YouTube now finally started uploading vods to youtube hey uh, nice nice or uh, youtube.com forward slash taiogetsu 13 very nice I, I love picturing that you're like if you're on my stream you know like i'm just picturing my dude's like how did i get here <laughs> <laughs> they woke up from a fugue state of uh, 15 years or whatever they just they, they have a twitch account somehow <laughs> I imagine that's what happens when KGB is uh, watching my stream. He's like, how did I get here? What happened? <laughs> oh, D&D. One moment Who I was doing I? homework. The next moment I'm logged onto Twitch and listening to people talk, and I I don't understand. <laughs> um, so, and of course, uh, for me, uh, you can always catch me at forward slash Vlad Fever. Uh, that's going to be on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, at 9.30. I have been streaming Pokemon Reborn and continue to do that. Uh, for the foreseeable future, until we catch up to the uh, the current chapter on that game. Um, and of course, you can always catch the broadcast for this show, uh, 9 o'clock on Thursdays, uh, where we will talk more D&D, uh, have more guests, and uh, hopefully be uh, about half as funny as uh, Andre's been tonight. Thank you so much, man. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you have a fantastic evening. Uh, please don't forget to like, subscribe, share, uh, and, uh, you know, follow, depending on the platform. And I hope you all have a fantastic night. Bye. Good night, everybody.